I mean, like, Lena Waithe, like, she, she, she's a really new director and writer, but, like, not a writer, but she, her, <clears throat> I'm not sure if you've seen Queen and Slim, but that was also a really good movie. Sorry, I'm going to open this door. No worries. George, the guy who bought, who had who, this house, he, you're not going to believe this, he super glued every window shut. What? That's like, <laughs> whoa, that's, when you said curmudgeon, I just thought he was a grumpy guy, but that's, like, uh. Um, that's why I had that whole meeting. Because we had to like, like that's a whole other story. We'll talk about that another time. Sorry, but yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> but he was crazy, dude. After this, I will fucking tell you the shit I found in this house. <laughs> yeah, because super clean the windows. That's um, that's something. Holy shit. That, that's that's the next level curmudgeon when you're just like, I won't even have a breeze in this house. Yeah, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> no anyway. wind. No. Yeah. I went to film school, the podcast about film school and life after film school. I'm joined today by Moss and our returning, you're our second returning guest, Lamy. <laughs> thank Brady's you. Been twice, but you're the second returning guest. <laughs> yeah, Lamy, uh, tell us like why you're here today. Um, I just wanted to chat with you guys a bit more. Um, so I had a really great time the first time. And you know, Zach, you and I have, have a very long history. <laughs> we had like four years together in uh, film school. But I just met Moss through um, this avenue and, you know, got very, along very well with him. So anytime I can be back to have a conversation with you guys, I will gladly take it. So please, yeah. Yeah, and we'll and gladly we'll uh, gladly invite you back anytime. Thank you. We did a Supernatural episode at one point. Yes. Oh, right. That's still, on the, that's still in the works. You know, yeah. I did. I have a list already. So, like, as soon as yes. I hung up, I like wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I still have to rewatch a lot of it, but I will. Uh, we will. We will get to that at one point. It's all on Amazon Prime now. So, mm. good for them. Shout out to Amazon Prime. <laughs> shout out to Jeff stepping down. Anyway, I'm not actually. So, sorry, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna shut up. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> as much as I love communist rants, and I'd like to go on one. Uh, yeah, I know. I know. It's, Maybe not um, now. We have enough airtime for our communist fans. <laughs> right. <laughs> so yeah, we're here today because you wanted to talk about some uh, favorite creators of yours, right? Yeah. And just for, you know, Black History Month to just focus a little bit more on um, Black creators, Black artists, Black writers, you know, me being one myself. Um, obviously, we're not, we're not a monolith, so I can't speak on <laughs> every perspective, but I can speak on my perspective. and. Um, specifically with me um in my film experience sort of being um like the only literally the only black person in our in, our, in my film class yeah. now that I think about it because like not I'm pretty sure it was just me <laughs> and so like my whole experience was um sort of um different I guess you can say um and like the films that I that, that I watched growing up were different because of that whole experience, and the films that we had to um, learn and like view in class were films that necessarily weren't were skewed to a certain um, syllabus, right? Whether it be subconsciously or consciously, right? So um, I thought it would be interesting to sort of talk about 
um, really important and groundbreaking and uh, unique films that exist and yet we didn't get to see in class because maybe they didn't fit a certain criteria. You know, we watched a bunch of fucking Alfred Hitchcock shit, but like, <laughs> like there was nothing with, you know, a predominantly black cast. So I thought it'd be valuable to talk about that with you too. Awesome, yeah. And so you had us watch, the two movies we watched, at least just for this, like uh, just to get started with this were uh, Malcolm X, which I'd never seen and I loved, we'll get to that later, and <laughs> Black Clansman. So do you want to start with Spike Lee? Yeah. Sorry, okay. I didn't mean No, no, for sure. No, for sure. Because they're both Spike Lee movies. Or, you know, Spike Lee joints, which I think is so cool. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, um, like, well, for me, like, my history with Spike Lee was, is so late. That's why I feel like I want to talk about it. Because, um, like, I grew up with sisters who were very... Um, who were very knowledgeable with that kind of, those kind of films, like Do the Right Thing and like his earlier films. And I always saw, I never really knew who he was growing up. Like even sometimes like I would, this is so embarrassing, but like I would like confuse him with like Stanley. Cause like I would hear Spike Lee and like I would confuse the two, right? Yeah. Couldn't be more different. <laughs> but they sound like i get that. like, that's like that's like the dissonance between the two and like my experience of like growing up as as like a black young girl and like not having access to certain um not necessarily having access because i was a huge like tv and like movie and movie, junk, movie junkie when i was a kid but um not having the um not having it available like on tv like aside from like B, like you didn't really see like like black actors outside of like sitcoms. You know, you had Fresh Prince, you had like One on One, you had like all those sort of stuff in the early like early to like mid nineties. Yeah. <clears throat> but that was kind of it. Like I didn't. There weren't like any um, sort of portfolios of films from like black writers, black creators that I was privy to for in for me, which is embarrassing. Sort of now that I'm older, because I'm like they were there, but they were sort of like in this little crook that you had to find. Like they weren't mm. in your face. Like you had to sort of go in like the secret basement and like put a code in and then you would find all these like amazing movies with like all these prolific names and stuff like that. So I got really introduced to Spike Lee like I want to say maybe like five years ago. Mm. And I'm what, like 27? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's kind of, and it's, it's funny. It's not funny, but it's kind of like a shame, you know, like I kind of wish, um, um, not that like, Oh, like that things were different, but that, that, that like I had, um, and this is like deep stuff, but like, <laughs> cause like black trauma is a thing, but it's like, um, you kind of, when you grow up with having these sort of, um, you know, not like shame of being what you are, but you have all these, you grow up with sort of um, these like negative connotations about your race and stuff like that, that you, you, in a way you try to like run from it and be the opposite of that. And then it takes you a long while to sort of like, um, at least in my case, it takes you a while to like own it and realize that that's just, like bullshit background noise, right? 
and then so you but then because of that you have to catch up when you get older um and this catching up to specifically is with film right and uh knowing that there's so many other like black creators out there like i didn't really know that i thought when i was in class with like zach and stuff everybody i was just like oh like i'm a screenwriter but like like i guess i'm like the only one here and then i was able to take this um be part of this group with um Allison Duke, who's like amazing. She's like this um, black queer uh, producer in Toronto. And I got to meet with her after I graduated. Um, how we meet, we meet her. <laughs> and uh, I had a whole summer with her and like a bunch of other like like black um, artists who are like photographers, writers, um, actors, like just a bunch of like art, like artists. And I was just in a room with like everyone who like looked like me. And like we all were like, super down with like arts and stuff like that and I was like oh my god like I'm just one percent of like a huge thing right but I didn't know that when I was at York <laughs> like bring it full circle like to like when I was in film school like I didn't know that when I was at York because I was just like a, I was like I wasn't very visible I didn't see other people like me and then when I was in that group I was like holy shit like like this is there's so many of us you know and obviously you know that when you look at it from, you know, from a certain viewpoint, right? But when you're so inside of it, you don't really notice it because it's just you. Um, mm. That's a really great yeah, point. So, so yeah, so like that, sorry, just, but yeah, just so that just how my sister went to, I think it was summer of 2018, actually. She was like, Malcolm X is on. And I was like, oh, okay. And she's like, have you seen it? And I was like, no. And she's like, you're watching it. And so, <laughs> um. And then I got totally radicalized after that. So it was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that uh, Malcolm X is, is once you watch that, like, and you, and, you, and you sit down and you really watch it, even if you like, you know, it's a long one, so you might like pause it in the middle or something like, you're still so, like, I, I often tend to complain that like my ideal movie time is like either 90 minutes or, you know, like I, I can't stand like three and a half hour long movies usually. Like, but somehow uh, Malcolm X is like, no, actually, I'm not going to feel like a three and a half hour movie. Like I'm going to have so many elements and so much dense narrative. And yet I'm still going to flow like a 90 minute film. It's like, I don't It's it's super it's super mind boggling to me how like, well, the end and Black Klansman as well. But I'll, I guess we'll speak on that more later. But like Spike Lee manages to make these long films that like compared to like Martin Scorsese, I fall asleep during a lot of these long Martin Scorsese movies that everyone praises. Spike Lee never dropped my attention at all. Like never once. So when he, so when you first saw it, Lemmy, was it on TV? You said it was on TV? Yeah. So did that send you down? Like, did you like start doing a deep dive? It's more Spike Lee movies or did it make you like, what did it make you want to watch more? Like, what was your like first like reaction to it when you first like, or saw it? Um, what really, was there a certain part of it that like really hit home for you or? Well, um, well, after I watched it, um, I didn't do a deep dive on Spike Lee until a bit afterward. Um, I did a deep digging on Malcolm specifically because I knew about him because my sisters were always like, had mentioned him and like, but it was always like in my periphery. Um, so I did more of like a deep dive, like just like, um, like historically and like biography wise and also his biographies like, fucking amazing like if you're gonna if you're gonna like spend quarantine and buy a book or read a book read that book I highly I have two of them I have a hard copy and I have a paperback copy um 
but anyway, um, I did more of deep dive, a deep dive on him. And what I came to realize, and this is also speaking on Black History Month, is like, um, and Moss and I touched on this recently, is like, no one talks about him because of how he would hold like, like white people's um, accountability to like hold your feet to the fire. You know what I mean? Like he wasn't somebody who'd be like, Oh, let's just like be peaceful. And like, whatever, like, yeah, he got, he got there at, at, to a leader in a later point in his life. And that was like, the goal was to, you know, cause first he was about, um, so he was, he was a segregationalist in the beginning. Right. And then once he left the nation of Islam, then he was start, he started to like change his views and whatever and whatnot, right? But regardless, no matter what, no matter even before before the nation of Islam and after his 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 convictions were really like he wouldn't back down, he wouldn't backpedal, right? And that's what it was interesting to me because I was just like, how come no one talks about him? And then I was like, oh, you know why? It's because it's not comfortable. You know what I mean? Because no mm. one wants to, no one wants to like actually face the issue, right? And that's why. I feel like, um, I feel like that's a huge, I mean, racism is a huge scope. I feel like, I feel like a huge part of it and why it's such a, um, it's not getting resolved ever it's because like, cause like white people don't want to face the, the shit, the, their shit. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's like, and even like even in a smaller scope, it's like, let's say you're in like in a relationship with somebody and like you did them wrong. Right. And the person that you hurt is like telling you, like, you did this to me. And you're like, no, I didn't. Cause you don't want to face that you hurt that person. Right. That's just like a part of, a part of human nature. Right. That's just, we don't, sometimes you don't, some people have the, the courage to own up to their mistakes and some people don't. Right. Yeah. But the problem is that when it's, when it's going to affect a whole community, you have to really face your shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, no, they don't, they just, there's just no accountability with it. Right. And so I feel like it's, you know, Moss and I were talking about it. Like, that's why I always kind of like roll my eyes whenever it's um, like MLK's day or whatever. I'm always like, because it's like white people had chose him. Like he makes us comfortable. So let's celebrate him. Right. Mm -hmm. Because he was all about like, you know, I had a dream. I had, it's all, it's all hold hands and blah, 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 blah. Right. Let's not talk about the history and historic stuff. Let's like have this dream that we don't actually want to move forward to. Right. Let's just talk about this thing. And like placate people, placate people, placate, placate. I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> whereas like I was Malcolm, he was like, no, you guys did this. You guys did that. This is your shit. Like you guys have to figure it out. And no one liked that and make them comfortable. And so in a way, it's interesting that like in a way to like have black people like feel happy and like kind of make us like, you know, here's your toy and like be happy with it it's still like the white people and the, like the white, like liberal and like, or literally the white liberal being mm -hmm. like, we will pick who you get to revere and we will give, which is, which is MLK. And we'll give you who you, who you should sort of, you know, shun or have, um, you know, not revere in that way, which would be Malcolm. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, a, and it's a shame because a lot of people don't know a lot about him. They, they all they know are things that people, that history books tell which is that you know he was hateful and da 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 and he was you know racist and black supremacist and all these things and it's like he wasn't preaching hate mm -hmm. he was preaching common sense which was if if a policeman or a white man on the street is beating you on the head hit him back that's all he's saying you know like 
people did were like, that's crazy. Cause back then, like that would get you arrested. You know, like if you're even looking yeah. at a white guy the wrong way, it would, it would put you in jail back then. You know what I mean? Yeah. Even now, I would even argue, right. Depending on where you are, but um, that's all he was saying. It was just like, don't let them walk over you. But that seemed like inciting violence. Yeah. But it's like, how do you incite violence when you're responding to violence? That's the problem. And mm-hmm. so that's kind of like annoying. That's all people have to hang on to as well. At least like, I'm like, again, I don't know a ton about Malcolm X. Like I knew some overview of his life, but like a lot of what I'm learning was from like the biopic. But like even them, like in his press conferences, that would have, that's like what they would always hold on to. Like it's like, oh, you say go out and buy rifles and shit like that. And mm-hmm. They would never like get a, try to get past that. So like with after like so you so you read the biography was do, the biography you read is that the one that the movie is based on or yeah. is there, that they I, think I, I they definitely like relied heavily on that like with his father like in the movie you saw like how his father is like mysteriously gets murdered yeah in the book like Malcolm says how um you know he he pretty much says how like like the clan killed his father because yeah. he was his mom was white his dad was black man right right um and so like and like the insurance like the money for his death was like really fucked up and like his mom had like a mental illness and like so him and his brothers and sisters all got like dispersed through like social services and stuff like that right right um but they didn't mention the movie what what, but i thought was i mean again it's a long movie they couldn't put a lot of the book is also very dense like what they didn't mention and what kind of always breaks my heart in it is like um, he talks in the book about like being in the school and I think he was born in Detroit. I think it was Detroit. Gosh, I can't remember. Um, but anyway, um, and he was really bright like in school. He was like the only black kid, but he was really bright and he talked to him and his teacher was always really like nice to him. And so I think he was like in grade eight or something. And he was like mentioning that he wanted to be a lawyer. And um his teacher was kind of like Malcolm like you know that's not a job for like a negro like you're like stop thinking like that right and kind of was like um you're really good with your hands like why don't you be like a carpenter or something like that and like that he says in the book like that like crushed him like it like it like really like changed his life at that age because you know you have all these aspirations and teachers kind of like no like because of what you are that you can't be that thing right? right and then that's how he started to and teachers have a lot of influence on you especially as a kid even like now they have a lot if a teacher doesn't believe in you you will you'll think that you are worthless like it's it's teachers like they have so much power over you especially at at a young age and so and so that's why he got involved in like eventually got involved in like pimping and like drugs and all those kind of things right was that funny for you guys like when you watched it were you like uh No, but it's crime and like the uh, how like at some points it was almost like a heist movie or a bit of a like um or like a bit of like an organized crime film, especially when he's making friends with what's the guy who ran the numbers racket? Oh uh, gosh, you know I, what can... I mean, though, right? I yeah. Mean, but like, there's a whole, I guess, kind of a beef story where they make friends and like they kind of have a friendship and they fall out of because he claims to have a winning number and blah blah. blah. But like, here's a question for you too. Like, like as a, like as filmmakers yourselves, like. What do you think about like how much time Spike took into showing like his like Detroit red? Like, you know, that's how he was known. Like his hair was kind of red, right? Like mm-hmm. ha- having that whole time to show you. Because sometimes in like when pe- people 
put Malcolm in movies, it's always like him, like like Minister Mal- Brother Malcolm, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you're just like that. But like the, the amount of time, like literally maybe a good hour or so is like yeah. him as like this like pimp, you know, you know, perming his hair, all this stuff to get to that point. Like mm. that, Russian, that Russian roulette scene. Oh, sorry, Zach, you go. Okay, so I was just gonna say, yeah, wow, it's um, I I've seen this movie twice now. The first time I saw it, yeah, I was just like for an hour, maybe like hour twenty four minutes of the film, you're just like, wait, what? Because you you know the immediate assumption, like the cultural assumptions that have been established uh, about Malcolm X are, yeah, like his many icon, like like you mentioned, like that kind of his famous talks about the white liberal and stuff, and this, um. this uh this voice that's very different than the malcolm that we meet in the beginning and you know this historically um accurate you know it's 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 such a it's such a dynamic character change that it's flooring because it really shows like the kind of the depth and and you know willpower that was instilled in malcolm in prison like i i those those um that 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 scene i told you that i i I really genuinely started crying when he has that revelation um and i didn't on the first time i watched it but the second time like just something about it was just so it just resonated and it was just oh my god it was like a mystical moment i i was just floored so yeah i i I really appreciate spike taking the time to show us that side of malcolm x because i don't think because i like you mentioned i don't think that um other sources would be so bold as to show us that side of of him mm-hmm. but you said yeah. something about the russian roulette scene because i love that scene <laughs> yeah I, I mean doesn't that scene just like and that contrast happens. that, actually <laughs> uh, that, that, that it's terrifying to watch and it must have been far more terrifying to actually live it and like you're just thinking <laughs> the whole time like this is this is malcolm x and, and it's like yes yeah. yes it is the, you know it's the the oh it's yeah i am speechless yeah uh i i'm kind of i'm kind of going to repeat a lot of what just moss just said but um i absolutely loved that like the opening first i get i don't know if it's first half of the movie but that first third where he where it's him living his red in detroit and a bit in harlem and boston or wherever i part of part of me has a bias because i love that aesthetic of like 1930s or 1940s big cities but like genuinely like if like if you had just told me that this whole movie was going to be like just the misadventures of Malcolm X, like living as red and eventually like robbing houses or whatnot, if that, if that whole, if just all three and a half hours had been that, I'd have been fucking down. Like, I'd have, <laughs> I would have been like, adventures of Malcolm X. <laughs> I know about jokes, but I would have been a thousand percent down. If you told me there was like an eight part miniseries just about him living in Detroit before becoming a minister, I'd be down for that shit too. Like I would have, I loved it. I loved like how it was shot, but specifically I also just like love the development of the character. Like even just the development of the character, cause there's a lot of developments even before he goes to prison and eventually like, becomes a minister and everything like that. Like, and like going back to the Russian roulette scene, Moss, like before that scene, you kind of like you get a sense of who he is like he's like rough and tumble like he's really he does have like the guts and he has what it takes to like really like live in a big live and survive in a city like that and kind of like kind of i kind of got the feeling like he kind of like he does what he wants to do like regardless of how like because a lot of people in his own community judge him for like the fact that he dates sophia and he does this or like how he treats other people and how he treats women and whatnot but he really has this like i don't give a shit attitude and like you kind of like 
you take it at its word when he's just like doing that before the Russian roulette scene. But then when the Russian roulette scene some, comes, you really see that like, like he was like, when he was said, he's like, does isn't afraid to die. Like I genuinely believe that after that scene, even if like, and they, do you think that, cause I'm saying this, yeah. Cause I'm saying this for the Russian roulette scene. He like, you really see like, he doesn't have any fear. Like he doesn't have any inhibitions or, or I'm not sure what the word is, but um, and then afterwards, you know how they reveal that he didn't, don't they reveal that he didn't have any bullets in it the whole yeah. time? And it was just, yeah, there's nothing. Think that took, yeah, I don't think, because part of me was like, does that take away from like the fact he doesn't have any fear of dying or anything like that? But I, do you think it took away from that? Or do you think it, because I, th- I still think that is genuine. I still think that's like, even if there had been a bullet in there, he still would have been clicking it and just like seeing what would happen. Like maybe he's accidentally going to shoot this guy's nose off. Like, what's the fuck yeah, that's a good question. Honestly, like, I do, I do believe that he didn't have a fear of dying because of the situation he was in. Like, he didn't really have anybody, right? Yeah. Um, but I think the fact that he had no bullets in there, it was, that wasn't really the point of why he was doing it. Yeah, you know, the point of why he was doing that was to make people think that, you know, like yeah. it was, it was all about freaking them out more yeah. than reality of the fact that he didn't have any, anything in there. Right. It was making them think that he was like this crazy motherfucker yeah. or whatever. Right? Yeah, Everyone's going to lead and like lead the brigade. Like it's going to yeah. be. Uh, yeah, it, and think about that. You're a fucking gangster, right? So the whole point is like you need a fucking. When you're like that, you have to sort of claim your ter- your territory and your spot, right? which is what yeah. he was kind of doing with that, right? Yeah, yeah. And it really like, it goes yeah. to show his cunning, like to to and and just I think his like his he was just a genius. Like he 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 was. I think um, Angela Davis says that Malcolm X was like one of his greatest uh, one of his greatest aspects to his character and and um and i guess like thesis of life is his strategy he was um while other uh, like thinkers like james baldwin and other pub- public figures at the time kind of for the civil rights movement were really trying to focus on like the theory of it and like just trying to explain it and as true and honestly and as broadly as po- malcolm was just about strategy he was thinking about how the the, the best way to exact his to to exact a just plan that so like his radicality and stuff it all comes from his ability to know what's going to get your attention to know how to get under your skin when he wants to how to make you think and change your mind without even knowing it, it is you know very fascinating there's a, there's a line i have just a lot of things really good memorable quotes of his but one of his that like i was thinking a lot during like this past summer it was like all the protests in america and even a little bit here it was like he said um we're not um says we're not outnumbered we're out we're just not organized right okay. which goes to what you just said moss right that's he's like we're not outnumbered we have the numbers right he's like we're just not as organized right mm-hmm. and that's what he was trying to do was to organize us right um they didn't get a chance to right mm-hmm. and that's another thing that kind of always annoys me because like i had to watch i watched selma recently not mm-hmm. recently, maybe it was like maybe a couple months ago. And he has, a, I'm not sure if you watched it, but like, no, no? I, I know what movie you're talking about though. I remember it won best original song at the Oscars and whatnot. I remember. Yeah. So there's a little scene in there where there's like a Malcolm cameo. Right. And, um, and I only knew this actually happened because of Tumblr because Tumblr <laughs> is like a couple of years ago. Like there was, um, what's it called back then uh telegram yeah telegram that malcolm had sent to um uh martin and in selma 
right? I'll have to look it up. But um, the scene basically is Malcolm meeting with um, Martin's wife. And uh, she's in, obviously, like, they had beef back then, right? So she was, you know, he said a lot of shit about him, right? And so she was kind of like, what are you doing here? Like, like, who are you? You know what I mean? And essentially, like, um, Malcolm was talking to her and he just like how he's like, he's here to support him. But, and, but, and again, like Moss said a very strategic way because he was like, I'm going to be that person that the white people will be afraid of. So they will run to Martin. Mm, Think about that. That's really too smart. (laughs) Think about that. He was like, I'm going to say these things. So they'll be like, we don't want him, but this guy is saying more, again back to the word comfort comfortable things so he's and he was telling her her, like that's why i'm here like so he was literally like laying himself like on the train tracks for the sky because he knew the end game was the same right yeah our methods might be different but we have the same goal so like i'll sacrifice this so maybe we can get an inch you know yeah where what from because in my way it would take too long right Mm-hmm. and the whole thing fucking happened and no one thinks no one talks about that right which is like it's such a fucking shame i'm sorry i'm swearing a lot but like don't be sorry no. <laughs> and there's even a telegram where he sends one to martin he says something uh, i'm paraphrasing but he's like you know what's these protests and you know are like awful and you know he's like but if you ever need like my brothers to come and support you just say the word and i'll send us over like no one talks about that like how they were they were different but like i mean different but like um but they were also he was also willing to help martin right Mm -hmm. but people want to be like oh they're on different sides of the aisle but they weren't but how crazy is that that's why i'm really happy moss that you said how strategic he is i mean that's what angela davis said right but it it was and it worked mm-hmm. and it worked right didn't look at look where we are now right like yeah i, I mean the, sorry zach you go no go ahead no sorry i'm off. um yeah i was just gonna say that like i think that you're, you're you're so right in pointing that out that they're despite their ideological differences so like you know kind of the the more hardcore almost ethno state kind of black nationalism of of um, malcolm x versus the more uh kind of democratic socialist um vaguely you could call him like a social liberal uh martin luther king these these two kind of forces they ultimately they're they're coming from the same kernel of truth which is like the un like undeniable true critique of colonial oppression and racism and the systemic aspects of those things right so like even though they they seem to be so different and polarizing ultimately they were both still kind of extracting from that same kernel of truth, which brought them together at the end, especially where kind of Malcolm, when he's kind of some, we could say excommunicated from the, from uh, his Islamic brotherhood. And uh, he's kind of like, he he has that speech. We see it in the film. I don't exactly know if that exact speech is kind of what he said in real life in historically, but it's very similar to where he was kind of like, listen, the rhetoric of the, of the black nationalist movement, while it's still very much true and there's a lot of like it, it's it's somewhat it's, it still has many problems that Malcolm, I think he knew and he could see, but he was using it as part of a strategy, like you said, kind of pushing people to MLK, those who weren't as who weren't ready to be as radicalized as like maybe your Fred Hamptons or Huey Newtons or Malcolm X's, um, you know, 
they hear about them and suddenly the alternative of Martin Luther King, a far more holistic and neutralizing force becomes even more appealing. So it, it was, yeah, it was just strategy and it was, yeah, brilliant. Wouldn't have got affirmative action, I think, um, without Malcolm X. That's why that movie made me cry because you mentioned how, sorry, Zach, what were you going to say before I go on this? No, I don't know, but it wasn't as smart as what Moss is saying. So you guys okay. keep going. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, and that's why the movie made me, like I cried twice when I watched it. And it was, the first time I cried was when he was going to um, the theater and they're playing Sam Cook. And it's like, just like the way it's shot, like with like, you know, I, I know how Spike does, does those crazy shots where um, he doesn't even in Black Klansman where it's like, everything's moving in the back, but like you're, you're like fixed. Right. And it's just like, and you know, what's going to happen. And it's like this whole song is playing. And it's just like that part destroyed me. And it still does. Mm. And then I cried at the end of the movie when it's like, it's like um, a bunch of like clips of, of actual Malcolm. And then they have like voiceovers at his, at his eulogy. And then all the kids are like at the end being like, I'm Malcolm X. Like that stuff fucked me up. Fucks me, fucked me up. Because I remember watching it because I was just like crying. And I was just like, I was just sad because of like how sort of history has misconstrued him. And that we need people, we need filmmakers at the end of the day to tell the stories that historians don't want us to know. You know, that's that's our job is to tell uh, you know, is, is, or cities literally storytellers, you know, of untold stories, you, you know, real or not real. Um, and that, it just made me, that just, it just made me sad. And it made me sad that like, um, that uh, there's a huge portion of people that um, uh, have sort of like turned, sort of had their back turned him through like white colonialism and like white supremacy because they didn't want us to know the truth of it. That's what it was, mm-hmm. you know, same thing with, you no, know, what they did, they didn't let slaves to let them write or read because knowledge was power. Right. Same thing with that. Mm-hmm. They didn't want us to know about him because then we, maybe we, maybe we wouldn't be so complacent and maybe we wouldn't be so, Oh, it was like turning their cheek kind of mode. Also that's, that's also like the whole Christian mode of that, you know, cause you know, Mal- Malcolm was, was Muslim. And MLK was Christian, and so like even those those doctrines yeah. sort of fed like the way they saw um, how to treat like violence, like in Islam. And you know, I I'm Muslim. It's like it's like you don't start violence, but if it, if it's on you, you have every right to 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 retribute it, right? So it's yeah. it's again like it's like their religious doctrines sort of like push them in the way they how they viewed things, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but. Yeah, no, that movie was really great. It was just, it, it was, it definitely, that whole summer I watched it, it totally radicalized me. And and when I say that, like, I hate that the word radicalized it makes you think of, like, craziness. It just made me aware. It just made me aware. That's how, yes. when, I, when I say I'm, I'm, like, aware now. You know, like, I was, like, put in this little tiny box. And I thought this was this and this was that. And then I watched, I was like, oh you motherfuckers tricked me like you know what I mean like that's what that's what I mean like yeah um and it was also the summer that was 2018 and like crazy shit was happening back then even I mean it was someone getting shot and stuff but um yeah so 
I just, and then also that's why, and Denzel was so amazing in it. And he didn't get an Oscar nomination and we all know fucking why. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, he, he didn't get an Oscar nomination for that? I didn't know that. Oh my God, that's yeah. crime. That is, fuck. That, <laughs> I thought he would have won. And we all know me? why. <laughs> Yeah. Fuck. I don't know why. They didn't want to give it. It was too early. It was 1993 or 1992 or something like that. Yeah, 92. Later. <laughs> he got his first Oscar. I think it was for Training Day. Okay. Yeah, that's that still deserved, like but like, ah, like. No <laughs> Training Day, but like I was like. Like Denzel, like didn't drink. He didn't. He was like he was like he was so in that mindset. And even when I watch it, I'm like, is that Malcolm talking? Like it was like even I watched an interview with Spike, and Spike would be like, you know, back then it was like actual film like that they would use, right? And he he's like, I would just let it run. Like Spike said, I would just let it run and let him just go on tangents. Like he would like Denzel would just go on and go completely off script and just would like just go on a speech that was not even written. Because he was just so like in that mindset, you know. I think he prayed like he just he was just like again like a lot of discipline for him to have that. But um, yeah, uh, yeah. one of the, one of the things that my parents said when th- my mom came down when I was wa- rewatching it for this, and uh, she said like, I think Denzel Washington like when I when my mom was saying when when she first saw this she had seen footage of Malcolm X and news in the news before she went to see that movie, because it was kind of like, there was a news thing when it was, the movie was coming out and they did some comparisons. And she said, like, she said, I have never seen an actor portray a historical figure as accurately as Denzel portrayed Malcolm X. Like the, 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 the amount of, of detail. And I like, like you said, discipline that went into recreating those newsreels, those, the, the, the cadence and, pausing of both malcolm pre and post his civil rights career i it's a level of detail that is pretty it's it's scary it's like like what a what a towering achievement of acting like you don't you know you don't see that often even just little things like famous photographs of him like the photo like i'm not sure if they mm-hmm. I, don't, I have to actually like find out i can't remember if, i don't know if they used the original photograph of him by the window with the rifle or if that was like or they just recreated it but like I'm sure with that picture actually <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's a great because i had seen that image before the movie but when they popped up in the movie like i couldn't tell they did i maybe just went by too fast but i couldn't tell if they'd recreated it or I, think, I think they recreated it yeah it wouldn't surprise me because like if anyone could recreate that to a t and make it look great it's likely mm-hmm. also did, yeah but like yeah and what was i gonna sorry i had something in now Going back to the Oscar thing, you can see that Oscar that crap at the Oscars as well. Like back when like Green Book won over Black Klansman. <laughs> Another yeah. robbery of Spike Lee. <laughs> That's why when Spike won, everyone was so happy because it was so yeah. long time coming. Right? Like he had Did you ever Samuel Jackson's reaction when he read the envelope? Like, like, well, yeah, it was great. He like jumped on him. It was, like, it was such a great moment, you know, and like and like that's why like I want to talk about Spike for a bit because like um his whole filmography has always been um telling the same not the same story but like putting like um like black struggle like on the forefront but when it's coming from a black person no one wants to look at it right but when like a white guy is doing it it's like oh look at this look how amazing this is right and then it's giving all these awards you know and it's like Hello. 
yeah. like Spielberg with the color purple, right? Like son, he, he's yeah. so well, you know, it's, it's such a com- completely unfair comparison. But it's like, so innovative, how innovative this is. And it's like, bitch, it's been, been done. Right. But <laughs> yeah. not you guys, you know, or the right people or whatever, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and Spike talked so much shit about, I think, didn't he walk out? He did, yeah. When so when Green Book was announced as best winner, best picture winner, they flashed. I think they tried to like get an angle where he was sitting, but he was gone. He had already just gotten up and was trying to leave, and they wouldn't let him leave because I'm not sure if it's because of the image of the camera or of a security thing, but they wouldn't open the doors until officially the Oscars were like over and they started rolling the credits. So like he was trying to leave, and they wouldn't open the doors for him. And I don't blame him. And I don't like. I... Think about the Oscars. This would be a great turning point. Um. Look at me being a moderator. <laughs> no, do it. About Moonlight, because mm. <laughs> that movie made me cry. I watched it. Oh, I watched it in theaters. No, I think once. I think I, I think I watched it in theaters once. And I watched it, I, I don't know, I watched it some a few times, I guess. And then I had to take um, film art to graduate at the age of 26, right. 18-year-old. And in our exam, we had to watch a clip of Moonlight and then like write and like, like write analysis on it. And um, the scene we had to look to watch was the scene, like the scene like, have you guys watched, you guys have seen Moonlight, right? I haven't seen Moonlight, I'm sorry. So I have. So like, there's a scene where, you know the scene where like he's going to jail, like he's, cause he beats that kid up. Mm-hmm. Right. So it was like that scene and how it transitions to him being like an unfull adult and he's like has all this money and he has like the grill and like whatever. That's just that was the one clip we had to need to like analyze it or whatever. Okay. Um but anyway, um that whole experience pissed me off. And I don't watch awards because I think they're all fake. I don't watch them. I don't. I really don't like, and, and which is maybe weird for being someone who's in film, and you know, no, I don't blame you. Like, no, yeah, I just don't want. I think it's all a fucking farce, and it's annoying. Yeah. So, and like these old white men are deciding what movies are worth. Like, it's just bullshit to me. <laughs> um. That being said, though, like, in a way, like, I know there's there's a lot of conspiracy theories about what happened, but <laughs> what annoyed me the most and I'm sure everyone feels the same way, it's like, there wasn't, they were sort of robbed of that moment of mm. having their 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 picture called and, you know, having it be this, and not even just being like a, a, a Black director, predominantly Black cast, a Black story, but like a Black gay story and not having that moment and having it be kind of like, oh, time's up like it was just a mess it was messy it was so messy and such a disservice yeah for i and, forgot um, sorry i just remember what that all that happened at that oscar ceremony i'm sorry i totally forgot remember now how it was i like, never, I never watched one but it was, that, was it a movie with emma stone that was fucking la la land, la land. god my no, least favorite yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry i'm not gonna i'm not gonna start yeah, no, on this, we, can't, we can't we can't I've had many rants. I just hate really it. What is it? I hate the movie La La Land. I think it's one of the worst. I hate fucking, it too. I hate the movie too. I hate exactly. the movie. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep this like very short, but like <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a huge musical fan, and everyone was like, "Oh my god, La La Land's like redone the musical genre." La La Land's barely a fucking musical. 
it's like it was all written because there's only one good song in it and that city of stars yes. and like rather they just sort of released that song and never made the movie <laughs> such garbage okay <laughs> hey emma stone didn't deserve her oscar he didn't. Like, she, did, she did a super mediocre at best mediocre okay job like the direction was fine i guess but i just fucking hate la la i'm sorry no <laughs> really quick I zach and i know. saw that together we saw it like on, on not a, a premiere a premiere night of it but we, we uh, saw new it new year's eve in new york city Boston yeah saw we saw it in new york new year's eve in new york city and we were i was a big damien chazelle fan because i loved whiplash um i don't really Ooh. like whiplash as much as i used to but i was a bit and then we went in and we were both like what the fuck was that like we were, we were both <laughs> just so disappointed we were like oh god what a what a huge downgrade but funny enough that moment at the Oscars where, um, yeah, you, uh, uh, let me, as you were saying, like it just robbed the, the moment because now, then it became a social media moment of like, oh, wow, the Oscars mixed it up and look at this whole thing going on rather than the artistic merit, like the, 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 the power of storytelling that Barry Jenkins put on display and those actors and performers brought to life, it's completely ignored now. Now it's now it's a funny thing. Now it's this, you know, goofy pop culture moment for a gif that people, it's so, it's just, yeah, I completely agree. It was so annoying. And it's just, it just, it's just, it's just so upsetting because that movie was so powerful in so many ways. And like, and it's like in ways that like black audiences never had before, like, you know, and then shortly afterward, you had, you know, Call Me By Your Name, which also I really enjoyed. And I love that movie. I love that book. You know, um, you know, these sort of like smaller um, films uh, that kind of explore like, like gay romance uh, at a certain age and like how that can develop you and et cetera. Right. Like, but the, the thing is, is that, how do I say this? Because I've, I've been saying, saying this for a while. I don't want to articulate it. Um, so forgive me, but like, like whenever there's sort of like a movement, like let's say like it comes to um, like, uh, like having visibility with like, um, like queer characters on TV shows, right? Because again, visibility in media is so important because it reaches people from from every place in the world. And then they'll, you know, they'll sympathize with these characters and then maybe think that gay people are deserving of empathy. It's really fucked up, but like, that's kind of like what has to happen sometimes, yeah. you know, if it is anyways. Um, but it's always like, okay, if we're going to introduce these things, let's do it in the, in the most um, lukewarm way to not upset them. Right. So it's always like white gay characters. Let's show you that. And like, let's warm you up to that. You know, that's always what it is. Um, which is, which is fine. Like, gay people come in different shapes and sizes colors whatever mm-hmm. but just not only just see like like a, like a gay story a gay storyline but and not even just black but like dark skinned black people like being and having this um like a whole transformative love story that deals with like drug abuse and like you know um found family and you know um internalized homophobia and all these things in a very short movie it's not very long um it's groundbreaking and it's it's just like and not to have the recognition that it deserved just really upset me i mean it i mean in the in the grand scope of like awards you know again you can talk about the merit of awards all you want right and 
if that is if it's important or not but it is and I can it, it is important in in for I'm pretty sure it was important for Barry Jenkins you know like you made this film and you wanted it to get the accolades that it deserves right mm-hmm. regardless of your of your um sort of inclinations about like award ceremonies and like who's in charge of that or whatever but this is just this that's why the movie like completely like rocked my world is because it was exploring like um masculinity and you know hyper masculine gay men black gay men dark-skinned black gay men you know and I even I think I wrote again in that film art like I had had to like write an essay and my whole essay I was writing like seriously I was writing like in in a lot smartly than I'm gonna say right now I was just like this is not only talking about like um the importance of like um queerness in media but it's also talking about like black queerness in media and the pressure it is that black men have to always be like on you know they always have to be masculine they always have to be tough they always have to like and again men have this problem across the board of always having to not be vulnerable not cry like that's a male problem i find it to be male problem because obviously like we're all fucking human beings we all have feelings we all have ups- emotions we all feel sadness right so the pressure on men is one thing but the pressure on black men is like a whole other thing as well you know and then adding like your gayness on top of that and like that internalized shame is like fucking times 10 right and you've had this movie that kind of wanted to explore that like it's i don't know i think it's a beautiful thing Mm -hmm. and and it it was such a it was so brave in that it, it was unabashed in, in every aspect of it. Like it, it was not afraid to show you the cruel reality that these people have to face simply per the conditions they're born into. Like it's, um, you know, like uh, Barry Jenkins previous uh, film, I believe his debut feature medicine for melancholy, um, is also a very kind of like racially aware film, but at the same time, um, I, I feel like it's, it's far more kind of like it's still being very like like Barry Jenkins is kind of easing us into um, some of the the tensions or the, the kind of the, the cultural issues that uh, that Black Americans and Black people all around the world have to face. Versus Moonlight, there is no easing into. I think, I mean, unless you consider like the absolutely gorgeous cinematography a way of easing you into it. Other than that, there's no kind of like, yeah, like the the way they were able to light like dark skin. It was just mm-hmm. like beautiful unquestionably again, good like sorry yeah, and it's because people always think it seems as if it's so difficult it's not just put the <laughs> fucking in like it's not hard yeah like i'm of, of having to like fit like this is what the standard is if the lighting doesn't work for you so bad like too bad next like, someone else will fit into it it's like no make it work you have the money you have the resources make it work it's not difficult you can put a man on the fucking moon you can <laughs> light a dark skin person okay <laughs> with your fucking million dollar budget yeah don't screw yourself but um i know zach you haven't seen that movie but you have seen black Klansman, right yes i have seen black Klansman. yeah sorry now i feel i feel that i'm going to see moonlight i anyway, <laughs> uh but i have seen black Klansman. yes and I rewatched it just, I rewatched it before this. And, sorry, what? Uh, I, 
Sorry, I, didn't uh, I love that. So I wanted you to have to say something. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I mean, if we're gonna talk about Black Klansmen now, uh, I fucking love Black Klansmen. I never, I didn't know, I didn't really know anything about the story before this movie came out. And I've, I actually, I remember when the movie came out. So like, they of course they like republished the book with like the movie cover and all that, and it was like all in the front display of every chapters you could find. Have you read the book? No. I haven't read the whole book, but I've I've read the first couple chapters because I just started, I picked it up in a at an indigo and I couldn't put it down. But um, I'm not sure if it's the uh, if it's the if it is Ron Stallworth who wrote the book or if it was a ghostwriter who helped him write it. But it is super fucking well written. It is a really like it is a it is a book that just hooks you in with how it's written. And like I only read the first couple chapters. Eventually, I would read the whole thing. But it's a very well written book. But going back to the movie, um, do you want to do you want to dive into the uh, Black Klansman now? Yeah. Part of part about drew me to Black Klansman was the like um the story. I actually you know, I have a question then about Black Klansman for you. And do you remember when Black Klansman came out? Do you remember Boots Riley's reaction to Black Klansman? His tweet about Black Klansman. Ooh. No. Did you hear about this, Lemmy? No. So like when Black Klansman came out, like obviously Spike Lee took a lot of liberties, and I think like for the sake of like the movie and the story, I think every liberty he took with the story worked. I think like every character choice he made, like there's nothing. Like I think it's a pretty like well written movie. It, thousand percent deserve the best adapted screenplay oscars and i think i remember what speaking of flow like even though black clansman is like a pretty long movie i think it's like two hours 40 minutes two hours two and a half hours it like has a flow where it doesn't feel that long but um when the movie came out boots riley like wrote this whole tweet where maybe i should pull it up to actually read it but he um boots riley direct the director of sorry to bother you he tweeted this whole thing where he like kind of tore the movie apart or criticized it for the liberties it took specifically with like the bomb plot and with the um i guess he didn't like that it i think his main point and i should actually read the tweet was his main point was that he didn't look he didn't like that the police department was made to look like bigger heroes than they were with the fact that they were trying to stop that bomb there was a whole story at the end of the third act there's a bomb was the police trying to stop the bomb i thought they were like arresting him they're like who's this black guy and he's like no i'm, I'm a cop like like i guess that's true yeah because it was just we're the wrong they like we're like like making it more of a problem because you know because ron was trying to stop it right they they thought he was just some black guy on the street right i i think Um, maybe like i remember i remember boots i i I am a big boots rally fan so i remember this this uh this drama and um i i remember the tweet because he makes i think very valid points i still love black Klansman and i love spike but um i think he made some really valid criticisms uh some that i think i think he kind of exaggerated in a boots riley-esque way but still like they're uh, they're good points mm-hmm. uh, like one of the things that he said was like at least and correct me if i'm wrong here zach um i actually i have the i have like a quote from an article about yeah, what he said ahead. if you want me to read it. yeah yeah uh so basically this is what it said this is from wikipedia but it's like quoting other sources um, it says, like, while Riley called the craft of the film masterful and cited Lee as a major influence on his own work, he felt that the film was dishonestly marketed as a true story and criticized its attempts to, quote, make a cop the protagonist in a fight against racist oppression. When Black Americans face structural racism from the police on a day-to-day basis, in particular, Riley alleged that the film glossed over Stalwart's time spent working for Cointelpro, which I'm not sure what that is. I think it's like an acronym for something. Uh, I know yeah, it, so yeah, he's saying, but there's more, sorry. Uh, he lost over all this time spent working for Cointel Pro to, quote, sabotage a black radical organization 
and objected to the film's choices to portray Star Wars Carter as Jewish and to fictionalize a bombing to make the police seem like heroes. That's also a quote that's to make right. Like okay, heroes. so I my mistake. So when you you mean the police force has in like Ron's police force is like they're the, the yes. good guys. Yeah, that's my part. Part two. I was like, <laughs> I was I, that's fair. That's fair. But uh, I, that's fair. But at the same time, like, like, like. <sighs> Sorry, I'm not trying to throw shade on Black Klan's. I, I completely understand, especially in the climate of that time it came out where, like, you know, mm. police stuff isn't, like, the best thing you want to, like, market. But you're gonna, if in, a, in any movie you need to have someone to root for and someone not to root for. So, like, what was he going to do? You know what I mean? What was, yeah, like, I, you know? I like, agree. So, I mean, I guess he could have made them as... More, more morally ambiguous, I guess. But like, even Adam Driver's character, maybe you didn't have to make him, you know, Jewish and have him more sympathetic. Like you could have had him in another like way. But so no, but I, I, I can see yeah. where that concern is. What were you saying, Moss, earlier? Because you were saying, oh well, basically, yeah, similar to that kind of like. Boots's main problem is that he believes that the police force is being vindicated in a way that it doesn't deserve, which again, like you said, it's very valid criticism, though I I still think like watching Black Klansmen, I still think that there's enough of an awareness that's established in the film of the police's internal and and, uh, internal corruption, but maybe perhaps because again, Boots is... Boots is like an avid communist. He's like really aggressive with his I, with his political ideology, which I again I'm I'm a sympathizer of. I I've read his stuff. I really like it. But um, I think at times, and this happens for every like kind of critic or person who has a really bold voice. Sometimes I think that their ideology almost speaks louder than like the kind of the mechanics of their criticism, if that makes any sense. Like if you really look at the nuance of his criticism and stuff, like sure, you could find some points, but I think generally, I still think Black Klansman's pretty critical of the police. I don't know. Maybe that's just me as like kind of a, as a white viewer, not really seeing yeah. like the, but I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah. I was going to say, if you want a movie that romanticizes the police, Black Klansman ain't fucking it. At least in my, <laughs> I get in my, and like from like, just like a white guy watching Black Klansman point of view. Like Never I do understand. Mm-hmm. No, no, I, I agree. I do understand. I understand the whole you can't deconstruct the master's house with the master's tools type thing. Like you can't fix the the broken system from the inside. I I totally get that criticism, and it's true. It is a true that criticism. Amazing thing. I've never heard that in my life. Credits yeah. to uh, Julia Gale for that one. Um, but uh, <laughs> Close yeah. Julia, yeah. I mean, um, but it's you know, and and Boots is is very much I think again right in that criticism. Um, of saying that like this movie almost kind of provides this romantic view of this black police officer able to, despite his challenges, you know, kind of like turn the police into a force for good. And but I also don't think that's exactly what even happens. Like the ending of Black Klansman is still showing that, hey, they may have solved that one problem, but the problem is systemic and it's still there and it still needs to be stopped Mm -hmm. um, in ways that perhaps even and and I think um, uh, Ron's girlfriend character in that also like she's she's so great she's like my favorite character in the movie she kind of again she says these criticisms in the film you know what i mean like she she's very well aware and she makes the audience well aware of these problems too Mm. um so i don't think that it's like completely uncritical of itself like boots might be kind of suggesting but he just wanted to go further and that's probably what he was saying Mm -hmm. yeah yeah that makes a lot of sense he was like behind the reins of it like 
he would have gone a lot further with it and he would maybe he was like holding spike to the same standard mm-hmm. um for whatever reason um yeah no yeah no i watched a movie in the theaters uh with a friend and i remember like <laughs> i remember her and i she's also black and we were walking in the theater and it was like all white people and we we're like this should be interesting <laughs> we kind of looked at each other like because like, it's like when it's like when we went to see Black Panther together, like it was like all black people in there. You know what I mean? So like mm-hmm. when we went to go see this, we're like, and it was more of a smaller film, right? So we were thinking it'd be like kind of the same. And we're like, oh, interesting. And so we're watching it, and like it was like interesting to sort of like um like the moments of like levity that were in it, like the hurt I laughed at, like they're laughing at, and I was just like, what the fuck are you laughing at? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, a lot of the time I was like the fuck why are you laughing it's not fucking funny <laughs> but like I'm like we're allowed to laugh at it but you can't you know what I mean it was just interesting um yeah same I mean this is not a movie I was going to talk about but like, same thing with Get Out like I was just like I was sitting there and like I was like you know it's about you but you're laughing at it like but like and that's the point that's why Jordan Peele is so fucking genius because like he made it have a you know have this cognitive dissonance of being like oh I'm white but I'm not like that and it's like no you are that's the point of it is that like you know oh I voted for Obama I could have would have voted him for a third term it's like one of my favorite lines I'm pretty sure you someone has said that in in this room has someone has said that like in some variation you know what I mean and also like I know this wasn't a movie I was gonna talk about but now that I mentioned it like there was this um, this uh, book, um, and it was someone had mentioned had like likened it to like the experience of watching Get Out in like a white audience, and it was like um, again I'm paraphrasing it. It was maybe afterwards I'll like send it to you guys, <clears throat> but it was like a little excerpt, and it was saying how um, like when she, the girl when she was like a kid, like um, they'd be watching movies in class, right, and let's say the bully in the movie is getting like a comeuppance or whatever. And she'd be like, and like the people who would like bully her in school were like cheering for the underdog and like, were like happy that the bully was like getting their, whatever, getting their just desserts. And she was just kind of had this moment being, being like, that's you though. Like, you know, like, you know, like you guys are the bullies and yet you don't like, and she's like, everyone, no one realizes that they're, sometimes they're the bad guy and like, or they're the perpetrators of stuff um, in their own, in real life, right? And so it was like the same thing with Get Out. It's like, you're sitting there as a black person and like everyone is like, you know, cheering for one, for for Chris's character and like, you know, um, all these kind of things. And it's just like, you know, it's just like, you don't even realize that like, you know, and again, that's, that's the interesting thing about like, when coming back to like races, like, is that I feel like the problem is that everyone sees it as like a black or white thing. It's like either you love black people and you're not, you're not racist, you don't see color or, you know, you're bringing across. And there's, it's not an extreme and not another extreme. There's, there's shades to it. Right. right. You know, mm-hmm. even myself, like I, it's again, like I always say like your t- racism, racism is taught to you in different ways. And it's our job as, as, you know, adults and humans living on earth and like to, practice on learning it every single day right like Mm -hmm. 
this is one thing I've, I, I read once and I tell it to myself all the time where it's like, like the first thought you think is what's been taught to you. And the second thought is actually your voice. So it's like, if you think something like on an impulse, like everyone has a bias, right? We can't, we can't help. Everyone has, has internal biases, right? Mm-hmm. The first thought is like what you're taught. And if you're like, well, that was fucked up. Why did I think that that's actually you? Right. And so don't bog down too hard on that first thought because it's ingrained in you as a kid in every way from the minute you start education. Right. So we have to actively unlearn it because we know that that's not how we want to be. It's a choice. Do you want to be that or do you not want to follow that through? Right. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we, the more you, you run from that or the more you sort of like, um, are scared to confront that, like we all have like these like weird racist, racist tendencies sometimes, like, is the more you will let that comp- continue to like have oxygen and breathe more if we just ignore it, right? Um, so that's why I was just like, fuck, like, acknowledge it. You know, like, <laughs> like you guys aren't fucking, like just because you voted for Obama does not mean that you guys wouldn't think that Chris was killing this white woman on the street. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And that's why, and that's the crazy thing about that movie too, is that when the cop car comes, everyone in the theater was like fuck right Mm. and that was the moment where i had this whole aha moment where everybody knows the truth but when it comes down to it everyone's like oh cops don't aren't that bad it's like no but in that moment when everybody was watching it everyone knew everyone was in on it everyone was like every white asian black whatever who whatever you were in that theater when you saw that cop car come and you're like oh he's over well why would you think that if you didn't know about this history with the police and black people Mm. right you know it it's 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 we all know it but then we everyone by everyone i mean white people want to be like oh like after you know what i mean but it's like no that gut reaction is a truth right yeah Mm -hmm. no no i i uh, sorry zach you go uh i hate i'm so sorry i have to go like now um but I'm really. I do. You guys want to keep talking? Uh, just we can edit this out. But do you guys want to keep talking? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I, I kind of do. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't because yeah, we don't have to stop the podcast because of me. What I was also thinking is that if you want to do it's like a second episode this month, focusing on another creator, other aspects like yeah. me, I'd be up and I'd be down for that too. But also, <laughs> you guys can keep talking. I'm not like talking your ear off. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. Sorry. I'm so sorry. I have to go in the middle of this. You guys keep talking though. Okay. Seriously. Um. Okay. Bye. Sorry. I'm really sorry. It's it's okay. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh God. I thought it was like, you know, I have to go drive my mother somewhere, but <laughs> um yeah. Oh my god. Um but uh sorry, what were we what were we just talking about? Oh, I just finished my rant about um about everyone knowing like the whole like police car thing and get out. Yeah. Okay. Actually. So yeah, just, I was going to say one last thing, um, on that, on that point about get out as well. Um, in that, I think it's, it's amazing how this whole discussion is still connecting back to Malcolm X and his, like one of the clips that I often love to share around is that clip. Uh, I believe he's on the Dick Cavett, not the Dick Cavett show, a previous, uh, some kind of like televised debate or conversation. And he's talking about the white liberal and how white liberalism kind of like, the, the 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 bourgeois class that still kind of upholds um you know they, they'd like to pretend that they're not racist they they don't have outwardly racist views like you were saying like the the, the white liberal wants you to believe that because i'm not burning a flag or a, burning a cross on your lawn 
that we're, we're we know we're, we're we're progressive. We're not racist. We're 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 pro integration. You know these these these. But it's not true. They're still upholding a white supremacist or as um as um, uh, something that you recently shared that I loved uh, white cowardice. I, I prefer. Um, yeah, like that. <laughs> it is perfect. Um, th- this kind of this white cowardice status quo of we don't want to accept the history, and that's why Malcolm was so great at um, at reminding uh, people of the objective truth of history. Um, you know, not like it wasn't that he was kind of giving an opinionated take on colonialism. Um, it, it was the truth. Uh, it is the truth, and um, so there's that. And also, like they they kind of yeah they want it to be this binary of not racist racist when anti-racism is a spectrum in itself racism are is a spectrum you know um trying to talk to other like this is (laughs) trying to talk to other white men about even uh, microaggressions or like kind of the 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 lower levels or i guess the the more subtle forms of racism is nearly fucking impossible not only because white men i just think are particularly so highly intelligent that they uh i don't know (laughs) Uh, but like there, I think it really comes from like the indoctrination of colonialism to say that, no, you don't have to ever accept any responsibility. Like, Oh, I didn't own, you know, these kind of stupid retorts that they often have to these things when it's like, not only is there no shame in accepting history, um, like this, these concepts of white guilt, I I've never, I don't know. It sounds so stupid because what it should be is the invitation to progress forward is the invitation to say, wow, we have a lot of work to do, but that scares them. I mm-hmm. think even more than any kind of like basic acceptance. Does that make any sense? Or am I just like spouting no, off? A hundred percent. It does. It really does. And that's, it's the thing. It's like, it's not even, it's, that's why it's so difficult because a lot of white men will, or even white women as well. Um, they don't even want to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. And if you can have a conversation and, you know, it's like, it's interesting because they're, they're like, like you said, like, oh, like, um, you, know, you know, let's move past this and, you know, let's, you know, you know, integration and blah, 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 like, you know, sunshine, roses and like fucking rainbows. Right. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, but how are we going to get there? We're just going to blink and we're going to get there. You can't, even, we can't even have the conversation with you. You know what I mean? So it's like the progress to the work is going to, it's so difficult because you are talking to some people who don't want to talk about it. Right. Because it makes them uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. it's so annoying. I remember again, like there's something um, in the beginning of, um, I'm not sure if it's in the, the prelogue in Malcolm's biography or if it's somewhere in it, I can't remember, but it was, it's somewhere in there. It was talking about, um, like how black people have like two, there's like two versions of us. Mm. And one of them is like, or no, it wasn't just that. It was like how white people will never, certain white people will never really know black people because we have to put on a face for you guys because we are always making you comfortable. Mm. So, and I was like, fuck, like it blew my mind open. Like, it's true. It's like, it's like, even in having it, trying to have a conversation, we're always sort of like, trying to like do it in like the most delicate way possible and even in that way it's like whoa shut the fuck up you know what I mean um and it's like and it's 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 interesting because it's like there's the power dynamic is so it's so um ingrained in us that like 
even trying to broach a conversation, we are are worried that like, oh, we're going to ruin the party. Oh, we're going to ruin the mood. Oh, we're going to, you know, maybe I won't say this or maybe I'll just hold this in and I won't say this makes me uncomfortable or blah, blah, because we don't want to be that person who's like, oh, like dampening the mood or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, because it was always trying to make like white people more comfortable. And I'm like, and I've gotten to the point in my life now, Moss, where I'm like, I don't give a fuck anymore. Like I, if I can't be my true self and say these things that I'm thinking, then you're not someone I want to have in my circle. <laughs> like that's just the fact of the matter, you know, like I'm past that age where you just want to make everybody happy. <laughs> like I'm close to the 30 now that I am to 20. Like I don't fucking care. Right. Um, but it's so, it's, it's hard again. It's hard to unlearn it. Right. Like, mm-hmm. And so I'll, I'm, I won't lie. There's times where I'll be, I'll hear something and I'm like, you know what I mean? Like I remember one time I was at a um, New Year's party and I just, cause I just got braids and like, I used to have my hair straight. I just got braids. And like, I came to the party and, and like, everyone's like, oh, your hair looks so nice. I was like, thanks. And these white, white girls like reached for it. And I was like, what kind of went back? Right. And I was just like, whoa. And they're like friends of mine, like friends I've known since I was like 13, 14. Hmm. And I was just like, and then I had like, and then I was like, don't say it. I don't, it's, this is a good party. I don't want to fucking like, you know what I mean? But yeah. I saw my other friend who is um, Pakistani and she's, and we kind of clocked eyes and she was like, mm. <laughs> she like, we had this moment where she was like, cause I was like, did I just, am I, did I have too much champagne? And am I like, and she was looking at me and she was just like, and then, you know, I talked to them about it later. But the fact that I was like, I had, I had to be that person to be like, I don't want to ruin the moment. Mm. It, you know, the problem. Yeah, that, that's the, that is again, like the, the completely unfair responsibility that so many black people have to deal with, right? Like this, this thing of where you have to somehow educate white people when they do something that's stupid and it's not fair. It's complete bullshit. And the fact that white people are so afraid to actually learn or ever engage like on their own, you know, like they want their, they want their black friend to kind of educate them. Right. Like, it's like, Oh, well, I mean, I've now learned because you explained. It's like, that is not, that is not remotely how this works, at least from my perspective. And I don't know. It's, it's something that for a while I didn't, obviously as a white person, I didn't understand. And um, I, I grew up with some black friends um, who one of them, like way too late in my life kind of had to explain this to me because at one point, he had someone had made a racist comment and I was so mad and I was kind of trying to and without knowing it I was kind of almost trying to steal the spotlight in terms of I'll be the good white person who's about to defend you know I'll be the the anti-racist right I'll be the hero and he like stopped me midway through he's like please stop like (laughs) please please stop it's okay um and and again that was a point that my friend had to take on two responsibilities one because he he has to deal with this stupid racist bullshit and then he has to deal with my subtler more racist bullshit <laughs> and it's just it's yeah i don't know it's um and it, it's something that i think better than any other civil rights leader malcolm x was the the best at um clarifying at 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 pointing out like i think his thesis was just and it's still so relevant i think even more topical than some of the brilliant works of James Baldwin or Martin Luther King right now that are they're the kind of more of the, the the heralded kind of civil rights black leaders of of that era. But Malcolm X is still relevant in ways that are I, I think that the, the the more subtle nuanced racism, the those systems, Malcolm understood the best. 
Um, and I think sure. we see it in, in Black Klansman too, but anyway, sorry. Yeah. You know, you brought, you reminded me of something. It was like, he, yeah, I remember he, he would say stuff like, um, uh, like, like the conservative and the liberal, he's like how he kind of, he said how he preferred the conservative. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah. He said, like, because he would say one's like a wolf, one's like a fox, right? Like, he's like conservatives are the wolves, and the liberal is the fox, right? He's like, I'd rather have something that came at me and I knew it wants to eat me, you know, than have something that's trying to like, you know, be more sneaky about it. But at the end, it's the same goal, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably another reason why, like, again, like they don't want to talk about him because they're like they want to be like oh look I'm a liberal so I'm on your side (laughs) you know and they didn't want to you know revere a man who was kind of saying like okay but you are up to a point you know like Mm -hmm. even have you seen the movie I mean it's not a black movie but um Knives Out yeah yeah I've seen Knives Out okay so that movie was it was interesting to me because it was like you had a whole white family and they were at a whole scope of like liberals a little neo-nazi brat like everyone <laughs> yeah. kind of like in the whole spectrum of like of politics right um and they're all like fighting each other on those things um and then the moment their money was threatened mm-hmm. they all joined forces against the like immigrant you know and mm-hmm. it, that's exactly what malcolm's point was it's that like that you they can fight over the the politics and the tiny things and argue about those things and argue about you know you know, uh, border c- control or, you know, abortion rights and blah, 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 all these things. But the minute it comes to, you know, ownership or money or, you know, a certain, um, or even fear of losing your status quo, right? Mm-hmm. Then they, they join forces, right? At the, at the drop of a hat. And um, I think that was kind of like Malcolm's greater point, right? The whole, that was his greater, his, the whole point he's trying to point out is that like liberals will help you, but they still want to be here, mm-hmm. you know? Like, you know, maybe conservatives want to put you down here, but liberals want to put you like some, you know, somewhere here. Yeah. And then complain about, you know, reparations or, you know, affirmative action or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's taking, well, I'm, I'm not a minority, so my kid can't go into school. And it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah i want to be so badly the question is not fun yeah i i i mean you know and, and and it goes to show how the politics of the time uh in terms of the civil rights age and like their 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 distinct awareness of the, those class dynamics right of you know soon as push comes to shove those liberals align with the conservatives to stop the the uh the minority demographics very quickly um yeah. as you said at, at at the drop of a hat you know it, it's so quick um and so and, it, and it's it's what stopped further social progress past affirmative action because you know as soon as you know the democrats and uh, various other uh, i guess liberal institutions in america and elsewhere started passing this kind of policy around the 60s and 70s suddenly until maybe now they're like we solved racism what are you what are you guys talking about it's done didn't you don't you remember that we <laughs> president for two terms racism is over yes it precise, yeah exactly it's like guys what do you you know and um even I guess like I, I often remember Larry Wilmore, who was a Daily Show correspondent for a while. He's a great comedian, and he had a sh- yeah, he's he's great. And uh, he had a show. Uh, he had kind of like a his own Daily Show that was Daily after it. Kind of 
it filled in Stephen Colbert's time slot once the Colbert Report was over, I believe. And that show lasted so short. And again, I canceled way too early because of racism. Um, and that show was great because I think that was the show that took things much a step further than what Jon Stewart was doing, where mm. um, he was Larry Wilmore was talking about like the white lash, which is one of my favorite terms, which is like kind of the Trumpian backlash to Obama. Obama yes! wasn't. Mm -hmm. Obama <laughs> wasn't this progressive idealist that I think many uh, perceived him to be. He wasn't like a social Democrat or something. He was a very corporate liberal, but still, I, I still think a, a fine president. Nonetheless, that is all they needed. You know, yeah. they, they, they were said like that corporate liberal, um, you know, uh, th that, that aesthetic was enough for the colonial force, like the kind of, you can call them alt-right or whatever, the kind of the, the right wing, uh, white, um, status quo embroiled force. And many of them are working class too, which is what's horrifying about it. Um, <laughs> It's what they, it was all they needed to be like, oh my God, our, what happened to our country, you know, or whatever the, 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 was that your Southern the, accent? <laughs> yeah, it's my attempt, but, uh, they, I mean, you know, and, and it's, it's how it's disturbing to think though, that the, the product of, I mean, there's, there's some kind of, uh, leftist like, uh, or like more re like Tim Black, who runs a great YouTube channel, um, he talks about how like Obama wasn't social socialist or social democratic enough. And in, and in that he left the kind of gap for the working class whites to have a resentment of him that boiled into a new form of kind of racism that uh, embodied Trump. Interesting. And I, I mean, it's, I, I don't know. It's fucked. I, it's, <laughs> a lot of people are like, Oh, like, you know, how could, how could, I mean, I hate to say this, but it's like, how could we get Trump after all this progression with Obama? I'm like, because people were angry that there was a black man in, in the highest office in like the land, right? Like, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but no one wants to talk about it. No, but they also voted for him. So like, there has to be not as many as in as possible. And it's like, no, there is. Again, ignoring your history and having, because all this guilt, you're ignoring it. And then this is what happens, right? Again, it is, it was a white lash because it was like Trump was a complete byproduct of having a black president for two years. Right. You can't go, the pendulum swung way too fucking far. Right. For, for like, you know, and it's, there are always problems with Republicans. I can't stand them. The conservative, I don't want anything to do with you. Like, that's just how I am. Mm. And people are always kind of like, Lummy, you can't judge people by their politics. I'm like, yes, I can. <laughs> of course I can. Because they vote on policies that you believe in. So therefore, it is a byproduct of who you are. <laughs> of course, I can. that's the best way for me to know what kind of person you are. That being said, like, like you've never seen such a radical sort of shift and so such a, such a brazen shift, I would say, after a president has left office, a democratic president has left office, you know, it's always, it's always pretty moderate. No one really ever told you who you voted for. Have you mm -hmm. noticed that, Moss? Remember mm -hmm. how like now it's like, who the fuck did you vote for? Like before it was always kind of like hush hush, like no one talked about it. Mm -hmm. But now it's, you have to know because now you, it's either you're a Nazi or something or you're, or you're meh. You know, it's not even, or you're not. Yeah. The fact that it's meh 
is okay now is insane to me. Mm-hmm. Like think about all the the apologism going on in the states over of over George W. Bush or his dad Bush Senior. People are like, I I miss when Republican presidents were were smart and stuff. And you're just like, what the fuck? How did we get to this point? We're now Trump. <laughs> yeah. About fucking um uh Katrina and how poorly Bush handled that. Mm-hmm. Remember Kanye West, uh, George Bush doesn't care about black people, like one of my favorite televised moments ever. Yeah. And yet now there's people who are saying that like they they miss that era of like, you know, rational conservatism and this. It's like, what the? this is it's so unfair. And this is the power. And like like we were like we were talking about, this is the power of that those layers of colonial oppression to the point where a disservice or like an inconvenience for the white majority is worth a fucking voting Trump in over, you know, it's like, Oh my God, how could we have gone so far off? It's like, it's, 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 it really goes to show how much work was necessary. And I, I, it's, and how much is still necessary. And like, that's why, you know, people are like, Oh, like why, why was Malcolm so radical? Why was, why was, if you really look at Martin Luther King's actual rhetoric and history, why was Martin so radical? Um, Mm -hmm. Because they knew it wasn't just a simple bandaid fix. You know, yeah. they they saw the re- the realities that white people like me will never be able to see, and th- those many layers and how to deconstruct them. So, you know, it's a hard that's, fight. The thing is, like, I feel like you know, these powers that be saw how close uh, Malcolm and Martin were getting. To, like, they were coming in the middle, right? Mm-hmm. They were coming in the middle. They were about to sort of work together. And they couldn't let that happen. And so mm. they had to, you know, get rid of them. And that's the sad thing. It's like, and that's that's the fucking point, Moss, is that like they don't want change. They say mm. they want change, but they don't because they're afraid that if black people are equal, then we will do to them what we did, what they did to us. And the fucked up thing mm. is that all we want is equality. We're not we are well entitled to revenge trust me we are totally well entitled to revenge but that's not even what we want we just want equality and even that is like asking for too much and the fact that we have to ask for it still plays into the power dynamic that we are that we live in we can't just take take it because then we're you know we're violent or we're crazy or whatever when historically you look at how white colonialism was born was through violence which is why it it drives me kind of crazy whenever i hear you know you know white people be like oh well surely violence isn't the answer like surely there's a better way you know when you see someone punch a racist on the street or in a viral video or something right like surely violence isn't the answer and it's like you mean that's not how you got everything historically (laughs) Like that's not how you, you mean that's not how you got all the art that you have hanging in all your that lucrative museums or that's not how you got your land and through indigenous, you know, rape and pillaging, all that stuff, and stealing of black body from Africa. That's not that wasn't how you, and then accumulated your whole um infrastructure and your wealth. Like it wasn't through violence. And it's just funny how like they weaponize that for black people or or even just like people of color. It's like um it's like it, again it, it goes it, it goes back to power right it's like we can do it and okay well I didn't do it like these old these old people did it but like me I'm, as a white person I didn't do it so I'm telling but I'm telling you how to how to do your activism 
Yeah. You know, it, it, that, as like a fo- as a football player, right? It's like, oh, don't do it like that. Oh, don't do it like this. Oh, don't sit in a luncheon. Like it back then, you sit in protests. Like there's they're always telling us how to do our work, mm. and then you realize that it's not really about how to do it. It's the fact that you are doing it that's the problem for them. Sorry, what were you gonna say? No, no, no. I was just gonna say, so well said. Completely, I completely agree. It's it's just it. I think it it has a lot to do with you know, um, like you were saying, the this idea that like because my, even despite like you know white ancestors doing terrible things, because I as an individual isolated from all of history and all of society, I should just get the freedom to you know tell people I'll give you some criticism because that Black Lives Matter protest. I don't know, you guys are getting a little too out of hand over the, or whatever kind of bullshit it is. It it, it comes from this place of i think having so much privilege and so much agency that's given to you as white privilege mm-hmm. like it is provided to you through that history and you're so blind to it intentionally blind to it mm-hmm. that you don't even see it when it's brought up to you you just think it's history what am i supposed to do go back in time and stop slavery yada yada you know all this and it's like no but you know that you benefit from white privilege you know yeah. that you um that that society treats you very different like noticeably different and that the stats don't and the stats reflect that you know what i mean like it's we have empirical data that proves it too like there's just so many levels but colonialism is the ultimate like uh, like blinder you know it's the Mm -hmm. ultimate thing that keeps white people from except and you know um like uh the, the layers of the layers of that colonialism tr- trickle down. Of course, you have like colorism. You have like plenty of other kind of more micro issues that exist um, in the in the scope of it. But really, it is that that kind of British French white colonial imperialism that's created this system to a point where now you've got like you know your your annoying fucking white guys who are out there and they're saying that uh, racism <laughs> isn't real and that it's all this and that and it's like. Are you are you Ben Shapiro right now? <laughs> I've been I've been watching too much Daily Wire out of hate, but uh, yes. Uh, Daily Wire too. Oh, good. I mean, man, I could go on about Knowles or Shapiro for all day, but 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 however, um, uh, I think it comes down to this unconscious bias that is trained in indoctrinate, and I and I and as a white man, I could, but I'll just say like, as a white dude, it's really. It, it, if you're not aware of it, I think that there is a certain percent that is intentionally ignoring it because you know that you benefit from it. You know that it's there. Because then you have this, the guilt of having to acknowledge it or that you're afraid to look the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And no one is saying that necessarily. Yeah. It's just yeah. acknowledging that. Um, mm-hmm. And as you said perfectly, sorry, I'll, I'll make it very quick. Um, it's because they know how bad it was. Like they know how bad oppression is that they think that the only alternative to ending oppression is for it to be a complete role reversal where like now, you know, um, the minority is the, is the person whipping you in the, or whatever horrible <laughs> analogy, but you get what I'm saying. Like yeah. it makes no sense. It, mm-hmm. It's, it's this, but again, it's all a byproduct of thinking of being, you know, the top of the kind of social food chain for so long. Mm-hmm. And I like that you said how it's an intentional, you know, it's a, it's a choice, you know, mm-hmm. because yes, again, like the whole thing I was talking about, the whole get out thing, everyone knew that that was like, oh, there's shit's going to go down when the cops showed up, right? So it's like, that's everyone's visceral gut reaction because they all know that, right? 
but mm. they don't want to act when but when you have a conversation then they find like loopholes to go around it right and like, oh well you know maybe he should just comply or blah 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 and that's why i don't understand why people sometimes because it's like you know like why don't wouldn't you if you had all this privilege you know just off the bat like why are you didn't like trying to run from it like, like you're you feel like just own it like i would fucking own it if i had it like i wouldn't be saying i don't have it. i'd be like yeah i have it it's, it's fucking great like you know what i mean i would you know i would be like this sucks for you guys i you know i'll help you out but like i wouldn't be ignoring it and it's mm-hmm. kind of like it's kind of like sometimes white people just want to have like a piece of the pot of whatever pot it is so when, when black people are in brown people and indigenous people are saying we're fucking oppressed they're like well i'm oppressed too it's like no <laughs> it's like you just want to be in on in the whole the gang and it's like why your your ancestors worked so hard to make sure that you wouldn't be oppressed make them happy and revel in it like they did all this work so you wouldn't have to be the bottom of the food chain so why are you trying to pretend that you are it just baffles me sometimes yeah it baffles me it really it really goes to show how totalizing white supremacy is where at the slightest inkling of black success or indigenous success or whatever you know cultural appropriation is almost so quick to just quickly be like oh god are you seeing this? We got to take it. We got to take it right now. Like, um, I know yeah. some, some people don't agree with my criticism of Ariana Grande and a few other um, white uh, performers who yeah, just criticism. Yeah, liberally take from black artists, just, you know, like as if it's not even a, pro, you know, it, pff, there's no, pro, they do this all the time and yet they don't get flack for it. And like, I know that they, they do nowadays, maybe on Twitter, but like, we don't see the financial material conditions changing for these artists when they do things that are just like what seem like objectively, you know, uh, problematic things. I don't, I know that that term now is apparently becoming like people hear problematic and they're like, yeah, now you're, uh, you're just some kind of SJW <laughs> trying to educate me, but it's like, you know, it's, it's the truth. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, uh, ugh. sorry. I don't know how to end that sentence. So I'm just going <laughs> to, no, it's true though, and that's that's just the um, the issue. But you you mentioned James Baldwin a few times, mm. and he was actually like he was I, I he was pretty friendly with Malcolm. I'm pretty sure, mm-hmm. um, um, you know, being like a black gay man. But um, he also was someone who held people accountable as well, right? And highly intelligent, mm-hmm. like so smart you know like to you know and it's you again like you know how you're talking about like you know when Malcolm would be on these interviews and then and it was like the bravery is insane to me to like walk into like a Harvard classroom with all these educated white kids and professors who are you know are there to just nail you Mm. and you know try and you know um get like a, a headline or sort of like make you look like a fool and to go in there on your own and with like the enemy and still like dominate and like like it's it's remar- just a, the level of um bravery and also not even just like intellectual bravery but like physical bravery of it because like mm. any excuse they could do they to kill you they would do it and, and they did mm. right mm. yeah eventually but um, I mean, James Baldwin obviously was not assassinated, um, and he lived 
quite a long a, a, a quite a life but it's the same thing like he would I would watch so many videos of him like being in um certain classrooms uh and having a bunch of like kids like line up to question him and like not even ask him questions but like corner him to try and like make him sound like he didn't know what he was talking about and he never folded over it Oh yeah, yeah, like effortlessly just cleared them. Like like not like I love yeah, th- those those debates where afterwards they'll have like James like he said like just answer a lineup of kids and you know, yeah, they're using logical foul. They're not they're, it's all bad faith arguments they're making towards James. And and bald and he's just staying and he's just staying there just effortlessly retorting with like, you know, funny quips like using their arguments against them, you know, you're just like, okay, towering intellect. Like you're- It makes me wonder how come we had so many of these like, you know, sort of like Titans back then. And like, they aren't really, we don't have really any of them right now, right? Like, Mm -hmm. again, even if Obama, you mentioned like, you know, corporate liberal, like Obama was not, is not a liberal person. He's very, I'm still very angry with him about how he dealt with Flint, but that's another conversation. Yeah, Yeah, that was a conversation. Yes, um, and honestly, Moss, I can talk to you for like hours. (laughs) Yeah, oh my god, like let's keep going. Like, (laughs) (laughs) we should just have like we could we should just like schedule like a day and just like shoot the shit or whatever. Yes. Um, Oh my gosh, anytime. I need it. Yeah, but yeah, like um, he wasn't a liberal at all. Like he's very even when you look at comparatively to like him with like. The other ones like Elizabeth Warren or like oh Bernie is independent, but like um he wasn't a very liberal Democrat. He was definitely like a Democrat or like we could call him a social Democrat, like an NDPer if he was being a, a, a Canadian party, you know. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um gosh, I'll treat my fucking train of thought. Um no! where, where, where were uh you, you were talking about where were where are those like Titans oh, yeah, of today? Those, yeah, it's like yeah, because we don't really have them such like I don't know, I feel like the it's like no one wants to say these things anymore, which which is so interesting to me because it's like the threat of violence was so much more prominent during the civil rights era, like during the 60s and stuff like that. Like, you know, the cops, like the way they would just, you know, fire hose you, set dogs on you back then. Like they, there was so much more of a threat, but we had, I, but you know what, now that I'm saying that, maybe because of that climate, there needed to be that radical voice, that loud voice because of how bad it was. Mm. And I think now, now I'm changing my mind. Now maybe like, I'm just thinking, I'm just talking as I'm thinking, like maybe mm. because now everyone thinks that everything's okay, that mm. no one is like, why would you rock the boat? Everything's fine. You know mm. what I mean? Like everything is sort of okay. Racism is gone. You know, racism is, you know, it's not as bad as it was back then. So now you have leaders who, don't want to rock the boat they want to be able to pull from people from both up ends of the aisle you know and so that's why we don't have people like that anymore because maybe they're afraid to maybe they think um it's not necessary or maybe they think like you know small changes is more better than um large chunks of change you know mm-hmm. um but it's like sorry uh, you know i'm, I'm pointing at my wrist as a like, yeah no no, no. i <laughs> um i i i so i i would say i think that uh the, like in terms of the titans 
of of the modern day real quick i'll just say that uh i think that it, it, it is sad you're right that uh the the volume of distinct like household names in terms of uh the social movement, like it's a household name, Black Lives Matter, but many of the activist leaders who are responsible for the huge movement are not known very well. Like their names are not as prominent. And I yeah. think that that's what's contributing to this newer age of people who are very distrusting of activist movements and uh, distrusting of like kind of these vague sources because they knew at least in the Malcolm X era that you had distinct names. I'm just like, cause I mean, I guess in terms of like great, black voices that I'm off to use, that I'm still like listening to as, as as social theorists Angela Davis is still you know probably like you know my 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 pick for, but uh Brianna Joy Gray she was uh, she helped Bernie Sanders's campaign she has a, a podcast called Bad Faith which I really like um uh and Tim Black but again they're they're like internet celebrities more so than they are kind of like public activists yeah yeah so I mean, I, fucking doing amazing work mm-hmm. she, oh. she she did georgia she <laughs> like the, the- i fucking love her and i respect her because she didn't do it for notoriety like she did it because all her work was like behind the scenes you know what i mean so when georgia flipped everybody was like oh, right like and it's because because she was you know fucking doing her work but you know behind she was, mm-hmm. and she did it smart because had she done it on the front lines, people would have been working their ass off to stop her, right? Mm-hmm. So, and and I also like, um, she's just a fucking genius. I think she's so smart. I I think she has a bright a, a bright future. Like she's a kid. She has a bright future. No, but I really think like, <laughs> <laughs> she's gonna be like, you know, making mm-hmm. a lot of um, um, movements going forward but like that's like I can only sort of name but even with her like like I feel the problem with like liberals is that like they're always sort of like having to pull from the right end right like Mm -hmm. Republicans focus have their base they go fuck about Democrats and they focus on their base and they like radicalize it with like their Fox News and their propaganda and all that shit right Mm -hmm. yep and they're like always having to pick from the right aisle of things right like they have to feel like oh to bring we have to go and like grab them from there to like make us um have more sort of power and i guess it makes sense because of gerrymandering and like red and um yeah that that's a really good point you know and like how how everything is in electoral colleges and how it's you know fixated on like rural places and they're all predominantly red states like i guess Mm -hmm. it makes sense because the system is so rigged there to make sure that like, even though the majority of everyone is pretty liberal leaning in America, the way that that's set up, it makes it almost impossible for Democrats to win sometimes. unless it's like a fucking landslide because of the shit that they have there. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought up redlining. That is like one of the most awful and prescient institutional parts of American history and Canadian history and plenty of other countries um, that, um, no one, like, even though, you know, you, you might see the, the random social media video talking about it, like it's still not talked about, but it still affects modern material conditions of black and working people. Yeah. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm just glad you brought that up. Annoying. It's, 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 <laughs> it's also like, it's quite, it's not just, it's diabolical and evil. It's genius how they set it up because yeah. 
you know, it's, it's how they did it. You know, having, you know, certain districts have, you know, that's predominantly black, that your fucking voting box is like this away. You know what I mean? And it's like, um, you know, they, it's, that's why it's funny when they say, um, you know, voter fraud. Right. Mm. And it's like, actually the opposite of that. I think it's yeah. voting liberation because finally black people were able to vote and have the access to vote. They are being suppressed, you know, you know, they were being suppressed for years and their votes are being to the point where they're like, okay, well, it's too long for me to wait in this line or it's too far for me to drive there and blah, blah, blah. So I'm not going to vote. And that's why, you know, the white, the white, um, you know, white people are like prevailing in the politics for so fucking long and getting their way. And eventually we, again, we got so fucking radicalized and so angry that we're like, you know what? I'm going to wait in this fucking line for 10 hours out of spite, you know? And sometimes spite <laughs> is a great, it's a great motivator because, <laughs> because it, it will get you. Oh, I remember in um, American Gods, back to at least a film one more time. It's like um, the first season there was, um, episode two it was talking you know it's talking about you know how gods get to from different i'm not sure if you watched it but yeah, i love american gods okay so you remember like a nancy and like his whole speech in the slave ship yes yeah uh, uh, oh, yes go on sorry i was about to because there's yeah. actor drama but yeah go yeah yeah i know <laughs> i know orlando jump um but you know at the very just the very end of it he was just like He's like, he's like, oh, this guy's, this guy's getting it. This guy's getting angry. Remember, he goes, he's a like, good and angry gets shit done, and it's true. It's true. That's the point of it. And so, ignoring that, like, we're angry and fed up about our situations is not going to get. It's not going to. We're not going to get any progression from that. You know, white people are telling us like, oh, don't be angry. Like, you know, have love for your blah 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 blah. blah. And it's like, no, because that is going to make the problem last longer you know you you guys like white people get angry over those tiniest fucking shit and it's fine right? <laughs> but we have to bite our tongue all the time when it comes to the most inane and like cruel monstrous things we have to be calm and collected and like be peaceful and blah 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 it's like i've gone to the point now monster i'm like we need to break shit like <laughs> even if we're quiet so they're like look at all this Look at this target that was looted. And it's like, you care more about $2 eyeliner getting fucking stolen compared, or like $5 worth of like milk or $2 shirts compared to like a kid playing with a gun. I'm sorry, I can't get over it. Like Tamir, I think about Tamir Rice like every other couple of like month or two. No, you yeah, know? that's, yeah. I, I mean, that's, and it goes to, and I think, no, you're, you're so right. And, and so well put again, like the, the like the, there's a there's a level of there's such powerful hypocrisy in white people getting mad when black people are talking about things like microaggressions because they don't think it's real racism they think that they're just you know oh, they're all too sensitive or whatever and yet at the slightest scrutiny like the slightest criticism ever white people are like oh what how dare you you know and it's like how can they not see the drum the near dramatic irony of that and how that is still influenced by white supremacy like it's i don't know it's like it's a it's a deep irony that's so cruel that and like you said black people everywhere having to bite their tongue what you know maybe to keep their job or or to uh to to not to to avoid a bad service if it's depending on yeah yeah. well yeah yeah that's another great example you know what i mean like 
very and they shouldn't have to because it's it's obviously such a such an unfair asymmetry of power but but white people they're on the bigger side of the symmetry and they're still like oh i'm being oppressed now by people calling out history by people bringing up actual things that is apparently too much for i don't know it's or let's say oh i'm I'm not wearing a mask in a store i'm being oppressed and it's like oh god yeah slavery and i'm like i remember someone there was a comedian one time he's like you know why people are so fucked because he's a white guy too he's like that like he's like no he's talking for a fuck he's like like, you know why people have have a really bad understanding of slavery when you look when you try you know how you go on google and it like suggests stuff Hmm. and it's like if you were if you write like was slavery and it says that bad it's just (laughs) one and i'm like and i have seen that and that's something people are, think about that moss that people oh. have the point the history is so skewed that they think oh well it wasn't that bad yes it was you know what i mean like <laughs> I, I don't like I don't like this example, but you know, remember when Kanye West had uh, had that little slip up where he was talking about like well, four hundred years? How could it have been that bad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That to me, and I obviously Kanye is kind of an unfair example to use. I'll admit, but fucking, I'm gonna say it. He's a fucking coon, and I can't stand him. Same with Van Jones. Can't stand him. Oh, okay. I I like that criticism of Van Jones, but um, it's like I think at that point. Where Kanye West has, I think, two of my like, but like one of my favorite televised moments, like I said earlier, like uh, with that Mike Myers that 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 uh, George Bush doesn't care about black people, amazing, yeah. just beautiful, one for the history books, and then suddenly, and I think that this also has to do with capitalism and like extreme wealth can blind people, yes, um, regardless of their uh, personal identity or 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 even history, to real problems. Because the privilege of white supremacy is connected to like the capital. It's connected to these systems that say, well, now there's there's you and then there's people who are lower than you. It's a hierarchy, right? So like because of that, that contributes to, I think, a lot of the kind of intentional or unintentional, I think, in the case of Kanye. I don't know. That's that's a whole case. But um, <laughs> of people not, un, you know, like 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 as you said was slavery that bad like what like that's a level of genuinely wonder that yeah you can laugh at it but like people literally are like well this slave movie you know you know yeah okay they get beat up and stuff but like they you know had a house and and how bad was it you know yeah, and it's liberal hollywood anyway so they're probably just trying to make us think that slavery was worse than what you know it's like that kind of sentiment but also Moss, like do you have you also realized like every i mean i'm pretty sure this is right but every black actress who's actress who has won an oscar has got it from doing a slave role have you noticed that oh wow Think about it, Lupita Nyong'o. That I can think, like Lupita Nyong'o. From Twelve years, yeah. Oh my God. Octavia Spencer. It was a help, so it wasn't a necessary sip, but she was like a maid. Mm-hmm. No, no, you're, um, yeah. Viola got one. I mean, I don't think she got one for Fences, but I know Viola. No, she did get it for Fences. She did get it for Fences, mm-hmm. but it's always about like black oppression and like it's never like. And then, but you have Scarlett Johansson getting nominated for like being in a, like a marriage with, with her husband. You know, it's like it's like black people have to have. <laughs> intense like traumatic bringing up historical trauma for them to be nominated 
you know, can't just be like, like a love story or something frivolous or whatever. It's always like, you know, the ninny or the fucking like slaver or whatever, you know? And I've been realizing that recently. And I was like, again, to be fair, black actresses are rarely nominated first of all. So when they are, they are, have to be, you know, it's like, it's almost as they're like, oh, well, you made us old white men in the Academy feel for your, for your performances. You know, we felt bad. So like, we'll give you that. But you know, when you just act in other things, it's not really up to par as, I don't know, Meryl Streep's a hundred. And I love Meryl Streep, don't get me wrong, but like, you know, she can have, it's just, it's just like the, 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 the comparison and like the the ladder to get to your your career is um completely different you know like i've yet to see um like a black actress get nominated in like the highest academy or award ceremony that wasn't like dealing with like black trauma films mm. yeah wow i you know what i i you're so right that's that that's that's really true i I never really actually noticed that until you brought it up. And I mean, it makes, again, like you said, it makes sense. It's, um, you know, like, mm -hmm. like the, 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 the power hierarchies of the, of the Academy um, are basically deciding like, well, um, we typically ignore black performances, but since this one is so prescient and so like kind of traumatic, we almost, it's, it's like, we almost have to award it, you know, like I, I, those mentalities are there and yeah, that's, Oh, that's a really good point. I, it's true. I mean, it, even, like, it, even like Green Book. Think about it. Green oh Book. yeah, yeah. It's so, a great case study. Another one. It's it's about you know going to the south and like certain places that black people couldn't go to. Like same shit, right? But when you have black films that aren't talking about that and are talking about you know maybe like Black Liberation, like Malcolm X movie doesn't get nominated because they want us to tell our stories, but in the way that they want it to be. Or that that they want to see it at, as you know, um, um, you know, even with Django, like that was okay because mm-hmm. he had you know the white guy next to him that wasn't so bad compared to Leonardo's character, right? Like, you know, again back to Green Book, you had you know the 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 white passenger who you know stood up for him, you know, or whatever. You know, it's like you need the white savior in there for it to be palatable, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, no, yeah, it, it reminds me of Hidden Figures with uh, who is it? Not Russell Crowe. I forget. Uh, no, oh, it's uh, Jesus. Fuck, I know exactly. Uh, I, I think of that scene where he's taking down the washroom uh, I division. That. I was recently, and I was just sitting there, I was like, that didn't happen. I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, I, I, I remember why. I was just like, I, I remember because I'm, I'm a huge Janelle Monae fan. I'm, I, I like, I Hidden Figures. I think is a good movie. Like, it's a great movie, but like. <laughs> fuck, it just made me so mad because I was like, no, don't let him take, don't let him do this. This is not like his moment. Just can you get like, stop just for one second. But- and like, just to like circle back to like when you were like with your, with your friend and you're like, you're, what did you, you're so cleverly you said it. Like there's just, you know, the the one guy being super racist and me and my like, my like under racism. I don't know what word you said. <laughs> just, yeah, just like, more like subtle racism. Subtle it's just like, it's like, again but they have to because they don't want to have um accountability right so they have to have the white guys who are like really vicious which was like jim parsons character who's a complete asshole right. and then you have that guy who's like well just you're smart and you can do your job so you're fine right and that's why like spike lee movies full circle 
are like always had been so shunned because he didn't let people get away with their shit. So like <laughs> even in Black Klansmen, when you know, they're in bed and they're like fantasizing about killing black people, <laughs> like, like he like which was and people were laughing. That's that's no time when I was sitting there and I was like. And I was like, like, I guess they thought it was so absurd. They thought like this would never, this is obviously like a satire or like, and I'm like, no, people talk like this, like more than you think, you know? Um, and so when, you know, when you have films like that, which they don't, which, which don't have, you know, a white savior or the white good guy, I guess. Um, I mean, I guess he did with Adam Driver's character. I guess you can make that argument. Um, but when you have, you know, movies where, um, where you have like white characters that are all kind of like against you, mm-hmm. um, they don't want to look at it because it's too um, it's too close to the truth, right? Yeah, you know, if you see those pictures of like you know back in the sixties where you know black people were just going to school and there's a whole horde of white people like yelling at them, right? That's someone's grandma. Yeah, this wasn't too far. This wasn't too long ago. You know, this mm-hmm. was that's someone's grandma. You know what I mean? Like it's not um so far apart and it's interesting because it's like people always say like, oh get over it. it was so long ago and i'm like if you see a black person with gray hair they were alive when they couldn't vote okay like yeah, like, yeah like it's it's that's that's just the fact of the matter but they want to like gaslight us and because think that it was so far ago like you know by you know having photos that were not in black and white but making it black and white to make us think that it was so long ago um like just, just the, the lengths to do that under like underlines that the awareness of the severity of it you know you wouldn't do that if you knew how bad it was right you do it because you want to you know sort of pull the wool over your eyes or whatever which is why i loved fucking uh lovecraft country because mm, everyone mm-hmm. like, was fucking de- despicable yep, <laughs> and i was like yeah. before like i was like where's the one white guy who's gonna save somebody like where and they just didn't it just never happened and I was like, oh, okay. So this is like more accurate than, you know, and it's set in like the fifties or something like that. Right. So um, did you finish that? So I've actually, okay. You know, what's funny is I've only seen apparently the first few episodes, which are apparently like the best episodes of Lovecraft country. Everyone like, but uh, from, from what I've heard from what people have told me, but uh, I do plan to finish watching it. I just haven't really got around to it. man. The first episode of Lovecraft country I've never been so hooked. Like it was like, I mean, obviously the opening is so amazing with its amazing uh, special effects and creative design and stuff, but like there's, there's just a, there's just a very present. um, I don't know. I think you're right in that. It's not, it's not just that like, there's a, there's like not a white savior character, but there's a very solid awareness of, um, like the the I don't know the, the true dire straits of dealing with a random white person, like not the idea that you already know this white person is racist, but that any white person to a black person could be a potential threat rather than an, an immediate ally. I thought that was just brilliant, brilliant. I love how you said that, and it's like, and that's why like it's interesting because like Jordan Peele is now like oh like he's like you know reinventing horror for black people, and I always thought that was interesting because I was like, why hasn't that been why haven't more like why I mean I'm sure they they existed or some in some way, but I was just like, how come there weren't more um you know black filmmakers in dabbling 
but then horror because like like and frankly like all of majority like not, not majority of it you know because i hate thinking that like black history starts with slavery because it's not true but mm-hmm. there's a whole history before it, and it sucks that like when you're introduced to black history it's like slavery and it's like um there was like a thousand years of other shit before that but okay i guess we'll start from there mm-hmm. but like if you look at it black the black experience is 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 pretty horrific it is horror and it's like if anything there should be more stories about that you know like which is why when i saw bluffcraft country was like horror supernatural i was like oh i'm in you know horror fantasy whatever because Mm -hmm. you know just the black experience of like you said having a white stranger and immediately that's a a threat like that is such a unique experience that Mm -hmm. has that you should definitely there's so much um like wealth and like depth in that that you can like definitely describe dive into right and it's always like but we we never we never were in the reins of power to do that you know just like mm-hmm. speaking for me like as me as like a writer as like a screenwriter and whatnot it was always interesting to think that like you know um i remember someone telling me uh she's like this black producer she has a company with her husband and she was mm-hmm. saying how like listen like you're gonna be in situations where you know you're gonna be in a writer room and and there's gonna be a black character and some white guy or white girls can come up to you and ask you like how to like proofread this or if it's accurate or whatever and you have to sort of just like do it like bite your tongue and do it because to get just do it to get to where you have to be in like Hmm. your future right and I was like still you know like still I have to do this like it's exhausting you know what I mean I'm like I still have to be like that's okay uh yeah I guess you know what I mean it's like because if you say something then your jobs again like you said your job security blah blah blah, blah make people uncomfortable you're, you're too difficult to work with which is like the nail in the coffin if you're a black person especially mm. if you're a black woman you know so it's like you still have to sort of bite your tongue until you become like I don't know like a Shonda Rhimes or like an Ava DuVernay where you're like you're in the driver's seat and you can do whatever you want but you have to get to that higher echelon like that the fact that that peak is where you have to be to be able to be like don't want to do that that's offensive da, 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 da. like that is like crazy to me mm. it's crazy to me yeah yeah no no it, it is crazy and uh, the, again you, you make such a, a great point because it's it's connected to that 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 capitalist drive that you have to prove yourself not just to the masses but to the corporate overlords the capital oligarchs that control hollywood or you know whatever industry this respective black woman is trying to achieve something in um, you don't just have um one kind of systemic problem to deal with you've got sexism you have racism you have like the the various layers of of what that entails and uh, yeah like uh, it's just it's uh it's so unfair and it, and it you know, and uh, I I try my best now to to never to not interrupt as much as I can to anyone. But I remember there was times where I would catch myself like, sound awful, but I would just unconsciously interrupt some of uh like other black students or other th- like just in, and I didn't realize it at the time, but the, these these subtle unconscious levels of 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 racism. Um, are there and it infects white people more than we would like to think. And that's mm-hmm. why I think it scares so much of us when, when, when black people come 
with very reasonable propositions saying, hey, uh, listen, this is bullshit. Um, can we fix this? And why people are like, but what's to fix? I don't see any problems, you know? Like, I think that um, it's that, uh, th- that lack of self-awareness is, um, it's scary. It's also like intent, right? Like what you said, like, well, what did I do? It's like, they think, well, I didn't intentionally say something racist to you, right? Mm. You know, I didn't call you this or that. So like, what's the problem? And it's like, it doesn't really, it, if anything, like the subconscious thing hurts the most, at least in my mm. opinion. Mm, yeah like, my experience subconscious kind of throwaway things like i'll never forget like one time i was in the uh, i was in i think 11th grade or something 11th 10th 11th grade and like i was a friend and like i don't know how how we got there but she just said something to me and it was like what was it it was like um she was like oh look lummy you're not like other black people <laughs> right and and then I was like, what do you mean? Right. And I, and, you know, and she's like, yeah, like, she's like, you're just like, like, you're like, you're not like, you're just like, like, I guess like different, like, you don't like, or whatever. Oh. And then like, and I didn't know why it bugged me. Like, and like, cause I was mm. so, I was like 15 or something like that. And I, it bugged me. And I remember being upset, but I didn't know how to like, I didn't have the words or like the knowledge to like understand why. And then you know, because my sisters, would, my sisters, even when I grew up, they would like call me like an Oreo my whole life. And I was like, what the fuck is that? I never knew that, right? And then like, I, I got older and then I'm just like, that's fucked up because you're assuming that all black people are, are uneducated just because I, mm. you know, I speak the, like whatever the way I speak and like, um, you know, I'm not speaking in like, uh, like, like black jargon or whatever, like, which I can't can do but I just like but like I'm not around black people right now so I'm not doing it you know what I mean like it's just interesting I'm just like that's how and it was just such a like she thought she was giving me a compliment like that's the thing right right yeah it's, uh. it's, it's more hurtful because it's like when it comes from people that you you are comfortable with or you who you see as your friends you're like that's how you so it's like and then it makes and then you then you take another step back and then you're like oh okay so maybe you're comfortable with me because I sound comfortable to you. You know what I mean? But had I not been in that sort of the way I am, then maybe you would, you would, you know, look at me differently as like other black people. And it's like, I'm fucking black, I'm black period. Like, like that's just like, again, we're not a monolith, you know what I mean? But it's like the assumption that because I talk um, smartly means that white people are smart and black people aren't are not that's what that's basically what the root of it is right mm-hmm. is that assumption that like you don't, oh you don't sound black yeah be, so i'm supposed to sound stupid or unintelligent because we're inherently that's like one of the most oldest racist tropes is to say that you know you know we have a lower iq and all these things like that's that was the way they would rationalize you know the dehumanization of black people is just saying that you know we just were inherently not as smart mm-hmm even the yeah. way they, um, t- they teach history like the, the i think it was a, the traffic light was was created by a black guy do we know that no don't tell us that i remember um finding out only a few days ago that uh apparently in some schools the only thing that they'll teach you in black history month is that the guy who invented peanut butter was a black man <laughs> no way and and honestly, I didn't I didn't know that the guy who invented peanut butter was a black man. So I was like, that's the one thing they learned, and I didn't even learn it. So like, 
what a lack of you know cultural awareness right like oh my gosh like that's again like talking back walking back to like black white supremacy it's like that that's how they do it is that they make you think that like we didn't create anything right it's look at look isaac newton in the fucking telephone email you know or like yeah, so, I don't this, know. Whatever. <laughs> or whatever whatever the fuck right like yeah or look at how you know they, this is gravity and da, 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 all these things and it's like you, you like if you and then i was just talking to my friend about this last night and how it's like how um the pyramids are the idea that aliens did it is still a fucking theory because god forbid black africans knew how to build shit like you know it's like even that like oh how could they how could they have done it and again how i honestly have no idea but that's maybe they were just smart as fuck maybe that's maybe 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 that's an option but no aliens had to come down and help africans in egypt right to make a pyramid like that's an insane thing it's like the mathematicians that were there, not even just math cup in the Middle East, and like even if you go further mm-hmm. east, like India, like it's they don't teach you those things, you know. It's like they don't teach you, you know, you know, like even again, just talking about like pyramids, how like the the exact like geometry of it and how it'd be like under a certain constellation. It's like you know what I mean? And yeah. it's like it's, it's, they don't let you know like like within the school education system that like we created a lot of stuff um mm-hmm. we were like the pioneers a lot of stuff that then like europeans came and like took and like and then ran with it you know and then mm-hmm. and then dropped it around you know because they went everywhere spreading their seed <laughs> yeah I, I mean egypt was the, the the i mean the birthplace of modern math the the birthplace of modern social organization and and infrastructure like I love, yeah, like, as you said, people are so much more quick to assume that extraterrestrial beings came and, and helped and, and did that because what, like humans can't build things. We fucking build things all the time. What the, I mean, that's, that's a whole other fucking, I love like that ancient aliens crap, but, but, but in reality, you're right. It's another layer of racism on top of understanding one of the most ancient and powerful long-lasting civilizations predominantly ran by very dark-skinned people mm-hmm. um you know for some reason the vikings are never uh are, are never talked about in this uh, i mean obviously they're criticized for their marauding and stuff but like they're not talked about as if they needed like this kind of like divine or otherworldly assistance and yet the egyptians <laughs> did far more um dynamic and 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 uh you know radical things to their civilization their society it's like so hmm, how could they have done it now they must have uh they must have had like people in spaceships help like it's uh, it's it's so frustrating however how they did it it's 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 mm. people and fucked up but like the sneaky ways you know, even the way with the maps, how they made Africa look so fucking tiny. Africa's fucking huge. <laughs> it's so yeah. big. It has like over, I don't know how many countries are in there, but they're huge. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, and then, and then it, again, like ignoring the history of it also is, per, is perpetuating it. Like the more we can just be accountable to um, the, um, monstrosities of colonialism and the transatlantic slave trade and and then also like the the idea that like okay well slavery is abolished and everything was just uphill from there it's like 
there was Jim Crow. There was uh, some. Okay, so so it's like, and then you had like the '90s, which was fucking awful. Like Rodney King. Okay, like it's like it's still a thing, you know. But it's like, well, you're not enslaved, so why don't don't complain? That's yeah. that's, that's, that's what they're basically saying, though, Moss. It's like, well, <laughs> you know, at least look, you can you can have like you, again back to the Connie thing. Is that like you have you can accumulate all this wealth and you can have this you know great career and you can be a rapper or a model or actress or whatever like you you can be this so what can possibly be oppressing you mm. yeah it's the and it's, again, it's gaslighting us to be like okay well maybe things aren't so bad and then you get pulled over and then you're like oh wait you know yeah gaslighting is the is the perfect i'm i, I uh i'm gonna give you the last word i think we're we're, we're running pretty yeah. long now <laughs> but that even if you want to just end it there that was a brilliant point to end it on um i was going to quickly just say before because i just want i again completely agree amazing point and um it really makes it really makes me think about a book that i've only recently i haven't even finished reading it in full but it's one of my favorite books i've ever read Uh, favorite is a weird word to put it but it's um it's just it's an amazing by um uh, a historian, uh, Walter Rodney, who uh, was also assassinated. Um, and um, this book, it's called How Europe Underdeveloped Africa. And it's, 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 a, it's a thick book, but it is absolutely um, incredibly important, I think, in terms of, and I think it should be a mandatory read um, for, for people. I, I mean, I know that sounds awful, but it's just like, it is, you know, it, it outlines a very detailed and in-depth history, and it shows how not only in North America, which is predominantly where these narratives kind of continue, but all throughout Africa, all throughout um, any place where Black people exist on the planet, these systems of oppression still exist. Um, and so he, you know, he gets into colorism. He gets into plenty of other, um, new, uh, you know, you know, kind of the 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 nuances of, of of each country. Like he talks about Portugal and Mozambique, and uh, how that differed from France and England and their um, treks into places like Ghana. And it's just, it's, it's a, I mean, it's, I, I say favorite book. It's not like, it's like a fun read, but um, <laughs> it is, uh, it is maybe like, I think the most important book I've ever read in terms of at least history and philosophy. Inter- um, so I, I definitely recommend that. And also, I mean, I guess this is a film podcast or something, film school, something like that. Uh, so I guess um, I will also say um, one of my, another one of my favorite films, uh, and it's hard to, it's hard to recommend because it's a really, it's another really dark, sad story, but it's called Black Girl by Osmanis and Ben, who's uh, one of the most famous Senegalese directors. And um, it's also on Criterion Collection, same with a bunch of his other films like Tuhibuki, or sorry, that's uh, Mbete Diop. So that's not, that is not some Ben, but um, Zala is what I was thinking of. Osmanis and Ben. Oh my God. Like, I think like better than like, he's in the same realm as like Ingmar Bergman, Agnes Varda, um, you know, Spike Lee, like the, the, the great directors. Um, he reminds me a lot of Ang Lee actually at times with some of his directing. <laughs> I just wanted to shout out some, some more um, African black stuff names yeah. that I know. I know we totally segue <sighs> from like films into just like activism and stuff, but they are not completely divorced from one another. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, if anything, they reinforce one another, I think, and it, and it promotes more filmmaking on those um, mm. that have to be talked about, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, even like, I know, like you're wrapping up, but like, that's why I really loved um, 
I only watched it once. I cannot see, watch it again, but I watched When They See Us. I watched it all the way through. Mm. And I don't think I ever cried that hard in my life from a movie. Like I like it was like I had a headache from crying. Like and it was it was um it was just at the very end of like the, the fourth episode was like was rough. It was rough. Yeah. And just like and the fact that she played Frank Ocean at the end, I was like, mm. how dare you? Because like Frank Ocean fucks me up as well, right? But anyway, <laughs> the fact that yeah, that, no. again, it was just, and again, it was a thing that was interesting for Black people was that like a lot of people were like on two different sides of it, where they're like, you have to watch this film, you have to watch it, right. and then the people were like, I cannot do it, like it will destroy me, and it's like that's that's such a unique Black experience where it's like the the debate of debate within the community where it's like we need to watch it to be aware and know what's going on and know the full story and like, just know it. You can't hide from it as opposed to being like, I know. And it, it's so upsetting to me. Like, and it's, and it's bringing up like the black trauma, like that, like for my mental health, I can't watch it. And my whole family, like we were kind of split in the middle. Like I was like, I watched it. My mom, my sister watched one episode and she's like, I can't, like she couldn't go past the first episode. My mom, before she passed away and my mom was like I can't watch that you know it was just like mm. everybody was just you know and it, that's that's the thing it's like it, it's it's hard to decide because everybody has a different choice but for me like I feel like that movie is um imperative to watch because it shows you the dehumanization of black youth right like how mm. you were seen as an adult as a child right mm-hmm. um and like white kids are always seen as like a kid you know, and again, it's not seen as, which is fine. And that's the things that people think that like, that's an attack on white people being like, oh, like, you know, they treat you like this and it's like, treat you like royalty. It's like, no, they're, they treat white people like the way everybody should be treated. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Like, it's not like, oh, but the fact that we are so not treated that way, we see it as like this, like higher echelon when it's, but think about that though. Like just the basic assumption that, you know, you're innocent until proven guilty. You're a child when you're a child. You, you, you are deserving of respect that is seen as asking for too much mm. versus the um the standards that white people have that are completely like you know they they see themselves as neutral you know like they see the the, the way they're treated as n- nothing special when in fact it is it is um yeah like as you said it's it, it's not it is very hierarchical and um from the top of the hierarchy um, whites are told to not look down and to say that actually, no, it's a flat line. It's just one straight line. We're all individuals. It's not this staggered, you know, thing, but it is it's, and, uh, yeah. That's a good it's sad, but we can end it there. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I'm, so like, I'm going to be honest. Like I can talk to you for like hours. Like it's, I'm not even joking. I, I could talk to you for hours. I'm saying like, what's Zach doing? Let's just start a podcast, <laughs> you know, like forget about that. Like, <laughs> he hasn't even been here this like i'd say like two-thirds of the this episode it you know it's fine he's (laughs) but no no seriously i cannot begin to tell you how much i appreciate um you you being you 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 coming on talking about this with me and with zach and uh you know and and again like coming back on and stuff you're you're just awesome i i cannot begin to sing your praises enough really <laughs> I'm telling you, once things get better, we're definitely gonna hang out and Yes. I, I, I can't wait to meet you in person. Wouldn't that be yeah. amazing? <laughs>
Yeah. Uh, yeah. Lamy, you have been such an amazing guest. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, we really appreciate it. Oh, anytime, buddy. Anytime, pal. All right. Um, yeah, I guess we'll end it there. Thank right, you I'll for talk listening. to you later. Yep. Talk okay. to you later. Bye. I Went to Film School is recorded in Toronto, Canada and produced by Zach Gladstone and Anthony Moss.